Welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson. Uh, I'm going to be quick with the plugs, but I always say that, and then I'm not, so I'm going to try to do today. Uh, here's the main thing. My Fire at Will tour is on. I'm in the middle of it. Well, not quite the middle, but I'm I'm well into it. I've done uh, two weeks in Adelaide, thanks to everyone who came and saw the show in Adelaide. Amazing audiences, I thought, um, this year in Adelaide. Really enjoyed doing the show there as much as I probably ever have in my entire life. I've only done one night in Brisbane so far, but uh, thank you to the Brisbane audiences for being so supportive of the show. I'm here all week, but the weekend shows are pretty much sold out. So if you're hearing this on the day it comes out, probably too late to get to the Wednesday night show. But if you're hearing it uh, and you want to come to the Thursday, there's still some tickets left for the Thursday. Or if you're desperate to come on the weekend, what tends to happen uh, is uh, on the day, they release like the last venue holds and producer holds and those sort of things. So there probably will be a, a, like some scattered tickets around on the weekend if you if you want to come and see the show. But I uh, think everyone in Brisbane, a week from today, I will be starting the best and my favourite uh, comedy festival in the entire world, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Uh, it's been uh, over 20 years of my life performing at that festival and I am very excited to bring this show to Melbourne. I, th- I feel like it's a show that Melbourne's really going to enjoy. Uh, it's my first time in the last six years where I've been able to talk really about Australian politics and Australia and things like that because I'm not touring the show overseas this year because of uh, we don't know when the election is basically. So I wasn't able to lock anything in overseas. Plus, I really didn't want to go to an America with a show called Fire at Will. That's an open invitation. So uh, it's given me a great opportunity to talk uh, a lot about Australia. I did not realise how much I would end up talking about Australia. At the start, it was about... 50-50 when I, what I imagined the show would be, but uh, I would say now it's, it's it's almost 100% an Australian show, and I'm really loving that. It's a really exciting thing to be able to, you know, kind of delve into some of those issues and have a great time with it, um, you know, having a great time uh, talking about Australia Day and what happened to Adam Goods and our relationship with our Indigenous people and, you know, asylum seekers and guns and anti-vaccines and climate change and halal and burkas. And I know it doesn't sound like it's full of chuckles, but it, it, there is lots of great topics and I'm really enjoying talking about them. And if you enjoy this podcast, I think you're really going to like that show. Uh, then after Melbourne, of course, well, during Melbourne, in fact, on uh, one night only at the Sydney Opera House, two shows in the concert hall at the Sydney Opera House. That is April the 7th. So that's not too far away now for Sydney people. Um, the first show is almost sold out, but the second show, come to the second show. The second show is fun anyway. I always like the second show of the night. It's always a bit looser. When we filmed my uh, Willuminati DVD at the Opera House, we ended up using most of the second show for the actual uh, recording on the night. So uh, always come to the second show. I love the second show. So come out to the second show if you're in Sydney. Yeah, all the month, of course, in Melbourne. I am not doing Tuesday nights this year. So uh, I am only doing Wednesdays through Sundays, the cheaper nights if you want them, but just avoid the weekends if you want to come on cheaper ticket nights. Uh, but some of those Wednesdays and Thursdays are close to selling out as well. So I would get in really quick if you want to come to one of those cheaper nights. Earlier show on Sunday, if you're looking for an early bird show, I know some people, if you come from the country and things like that, you prefer an earlier show. Uh, I do an earlier show on the Sunday. There you go. That's uh, Melbourne. And then uh, first week of May, I'll be in Perth uh, doing shows uh, in Perth. Justin Hamilton probably, hopefully, will come over and do support for those. He's also doing support for the Sydney Opera House. If you like my other podcast, Tofop or Fofop, we are doing a big live show April the 9th uh, at the Comedy Theatre. Not quite on sale yet, but it'll go on sale next week. 
And uh, that's going to be huge. So Charlie and I, John Deeks hosting another edition of How Will Do You Know Charlie, which is the game we played at the LA Podcast Festival. Deeksy's going to come in and host it live. And we're going to have a bunch of uh, faux fop regular guest Charlies who are going to come in on that show as well. Daniel Sloss has already confirmed. Uh, We're going to have a a Jen Kirkman uh, hologram bot. Something, I don't know, something piss week and toe fop. Uh, Justin Hamilton being involved. Uh, look, there's heaps of uh, uh, guest Charlies, anyway, who've, who've said they'll come and do the show. So I won't give them all away now, but uh, you can check out those podcasts. So uh, there's toe fop, T-O-F-O-P, which is the one I do with Charlie. And there's faux fop, which is the one I do with my guest Charlies. Uh, they are separate podcasts and you can find them under toe fop or faux fop. And Charlie and I have a brand new AFL football podcast. So if you're an AFL footy fan... Uh, we have a podcast, uh, Charlie Barracks for St Kilda, who's won one premiership in 100 years. I back for the Bulldogs, who've won one premiership in 100 years. So our new podcast uh, is called Two Guys, One Cup. So if you uh, like AFL or if you like two dickheads talking about AFL, you can check out a new podcast, uh, Two Guys, One Cup. There you go. That's the plugs. All right. I got it in under five minutes. I, I consider this a short one. Oh, shit. I didn't plug this episode. Oh, here's the thing. I recorded this chat with Osha. If you have not listened to uh, Osha's podcast, it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, the Osha Gunsberg podcast, I highly recommend it. It's basically like this podcast, but with a better interviewer and someone who just doesn't interrupt all, all the time and just you know talk about himself and bang on and shit like like that so uh, if that sounds like the sort of thing you would enjoy and why wouldn't it be i love his podcast and i highly recommend you check it out we did, we actually had this chat late last year and i've been wanting to put it up for a while but uh, osher was incredibly generous with me uh and, and in some of the things he told me and i basically just said to him you know say whatever you want and if there's anything in there that you need to take out i'll take it out uh which i'm very happy to do of course because i love people just to you know give me as much as they want and if they go too far in the moment you know well that's okay it's not that sort of podcast it's not 60 minutes or something like that uh but what it's basically meant is while well, i've been writing my show i just haven't had time to listen to it and edit it so it's been sitting on the shelf for a while so i decided today's the day uh, it's my day that I'm actually going to get this podcast up. So uh, he is absolutely, I'm not going to spoil it. I don't like to do too much about the actual interview in these, you know, listen to yourself, make up your own mind, but I really enjoyed it and I hope you do too. All right, guys, if you like the podcast, rate it um, on iTunes. That always is helpful to get it out to other people. And of course, you can support our Patreon if you really want to, uh, patreon.com slash TOFOP, T-O-F-O-P. Uh, all right, guys, thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Welcome to Willosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the uh, title of the podcast and uh, our guest, as is traditional on this podcast, uh, who are you? <laughs> um, well, I'm Osher Ginsberg and I'm a, I'm a TV and radio kind of guy. Um, <laughs> I would love that if that was on your card. Osher Ginsberg, uh, TV and radio kind of guy. Yeah, I ripped it off of Tim Daly, who runs Country Music Channel in Australia, and that that was his original Facebook uh, description, Tim Daly, TV kind of guy. (laughs) So I've got a forward slash on it. I'm a slashy now, TV and radio kind of guy. But um, I do a lot of things. In fact, 
I didn't really realize how many things I've been doing until my girlfriend, who I live with now, is like, fuck, you do a lot of fucking things. Right. Okay. So (laughs) here's something that people ask me all the time, and it's probably a really annoying question. I think I actually get annoyed, but I'm going to ask it of you now because I think it's a fun question to ask. I just don't think it's necessarily a fun question to answer, but here it is. Uh, Rate them in order. What are the things that you enjoy doing the most in order of the things that you do? And there's no, like, it, this doesn't have to be like you dissing anything that you do, but no. just for you, what personal okay, pleasure all right. in so, order do you get out of them? Uh, number one, hands down, is anything live. Okay. Anything live, from radio to telly, the shinier the floor, the better. Now, that that's an interesting sort of... Uh, I, I've never done a live show. I mean, I obviously I perform live all the time. Mm. I do my stand-up comedy live, but I've never done... I mean, I guess radio's live. Okay, I work live yeah, all the time. You did, I'm yeah. an idiot. But no, but I've never done a live TV show, right? I've never been on a show that is going out live at the time. You know, never even hosted like an right. events night or whatever that was going out live at the time. So tell me what it is about that that is so exciting to you. When you do your show... And they labour in the edit. And there's always meetings about what we could have done and what we should have done. And can you just come back? We've got a pick-up shot. No, that fucking happens. The thing with live is you do all the work beforehand, all right? You do everything beforehand. And then on the night, all right, here we go. Let's do it. it. We're on. And then when it's done, you're like, fix it. Can't fix it. it. All right, put well, it on 10 play, we're out of here. Well, I get that. because <laughs> you just go home. I mean, that's what stand-up is. Like, yeah. you know, matter, no matter what show you come to, it's going to be a different show. And yeah. no matter what, that's the show, yeah. that is the night. And that you can't go, I've got a better version of that joke or I yeah. did it better three nights later, can we edit that in? I get, I get that. But yeah. what is it about that for you? Because... Oh, it's the teamwork, Will. It's the teamwork. Okay, that's it's interesting. The, it's right. the... Because you need, I've used this analogy quite a lot. By the way, people get mad when I talk on my own podcast, but those people can fuck off. It's Uh, a free show. It's a free show. (laughs) So um, here's what I was going to say. I always use the analogy of when you're a host, you're the the captain, you're the pilot of the plane, but they don't let a plane take off unless every single person has done their job properly. That's the thing about a plane, right? Exactly. If the the seat isn't working and it's falling backwards, they will delay the entire flight until they can fix that so the plane can take off. But eventually, They have to then hand the pilot the keys, and the pilot has to trust that everybody has done their job properly. I just like the idea of someone jumping into seven three seven eight hundred, putting the clutch in, and just <laughs> just rolling the keys over. I mean, well, I, okay, maybe it's not keys. In my analogy, I've push done, start. It must be a push start button by now. Can't be right. There has to be a code or something. I wanted there any, to be keys. Any, I want to say Baza. Chuck us the keys, will you? I mean, I, now that you mention it, I realise that I have never seen like, but I would love if it was just like. I want car keys for a plane so badly. Yeah. I, I want, reaching like, under the yoke. Right. And one guy's got some novelty <laughs> pussy mobile, like, you know. Just working the, working the choke on the older planes. Yeah. Just, oh, no, no, mate. I know how to get this one going. I know you planes, just gotta, you gotta, yeah, she needs a bit of a She needs a bit of a warm up in the driveway before There's we just take a guy her. starting it with two cords, like two underneath. It's just, uh, no, a hot wire. I had a mate. Kingswood I like that. I had a Kingswood that you just had to be so gentle to. Oh, yeah. I just, yeah, I just got to go. I, I got I to park it on a slope, mate. That's all. <laughs> just, just in case. Just in case. I used to do that all Just the to get time. it going in the morning. I, I got to park it on a slope. All the time. Anyway, um, so, but the other thing about live. The other thing about live is I've talked about this before and it took me a long time to come to why I enjoy it is that um, A, it was all I'd ever done, all right? So until I'd done a show called 
uh, it was a game show called The Contest in 2006. Okay. Uh, we shot at the ABC studio, The Big Room, yep. on Ultimo. It's massive in there. I love it. It's where we should grow. Yeah. And you're working with anyone that doesn't know the ABC. It's like the BBC. They've got a mandate and they, no one ever gets fired. And so as a result, we've got dudes. <laughs> no one ever gets fired. We had people who'd swung boom on Doctor Who. I mean, you know? that's not true that no one ever gets fired, but the people who are there... It's difficult to get fired. How well, about you, that? well, you know what it is? People, like, get re- people get made redundant yeah. from budget cuts, but people don't get fired. I mean, people have been made redundant and fired, All right. but the like they're just from the original group. The yeah. ones who haven't got redundant or fired are still from that same amount of people. Like yeah. There are people who've been working on Gruen for the entire eight years we've done it, who worked on Glasshouse for the entire six years that we did that, and who I met on Good News Week, and who are brilliant people yeah. and have been a constant part of my life for the last yeah. you know, 15 to 17 so, years. So, yeah, that was, but that was the first show I'd ever done that was pre-recorded. Right. And that was seven years into Tell, my TV career. Remind me what the contest was. I can't. Uh, I, I, I Ant, feel like Ant I'm Deck had, stuff. But. Ant and Deck had come up with a game show. It was basically um, uh, I asked you know multiple choice questions, and then afterwards they'd lie to each other about how well they did, and they'd make a bet on uh, on, on you know and who you know you could. Say, for example, I say, no, fuck, man, how do you not know Space Shuttle O-Rings? Dude, that was the easiest one. And I think at any time you can push a button and go, fuck, they've got me beat. I'm going to get out of here, take take my money and run. Um, And that was it. But unfortunately, I've got to say two-thirds of it was um, in post with Mike Goldman's dad doing the voiceover, trying to explain all the the, um, (laughs) – he was trying to explain all the uh, the, um, uh, uh, context – and I remember just that was one show where I was like, oh, no, 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 no way I like it live because you can't fuck with it once it's done. Did you know? At we made the- 10 episodes. We never got axed. Okay. And did you know at the time that it wasn't quite working? What's it like to be? Because uh, this is an interesting thing. You've done a bunch of things that are successful and we'll get to those. But uh, it's quite nice to hear about things that didn't quite work yeah. as much as. Did Did you, when you went into it, did you have hopes that it would be fantastic? Well, the show we made on the floor was awesome. Yeah, right. I loved it. Interesting. Uh, we had 300 people in the room. It was great. But the show that made it to air was like, oh, I never remember any of that happening. It was a lot of graphics, a lot of post-production. And the thing about live, and I've, I've talked about this before, is that um, as someone who's uh, lived life with anxiety mm-hmm. um, and that, that has kind of gotten worse as I've gotten older as these things tend to happen and then, you know, anxiety, depression and I have a, you know, there's a bit of OCD floating around. Um, that the anxiety and depression get stuck in. So anxiety, mostly anxiety, it's um, it's a fear of the unknown. It's a fear of lack of control. Sure. All right. When am I more in control of a situation than when I'm talking on camera? Right. And it's live. Right. And everyone is quiet, and I'm speaking, and yeah. it's absolute serenity. Right. It's absolute serenity. Because someone handed you the key, and it's your job not to fly uh, into the well, mountain or whatever. I remember that we did one grand... And that's the thing. The live stuff is huge. We did. I used to do a show called Australian Idol. It was massive. We'd do shows at the uh, Opera House Forecourt in Sydney, and there was 10,000 people down there. And we're on the Technocrane, which is this gigantic telescoping... Um, kind of uh, jib arm with an incredibly complicated camera dolly on the end of it. And we had the 110-foot technocrane, which is like the thing that, you know, uh, George Miller uses to shoot Mad Max mega scenes, all right? okay. We got to do that thing, all right? And it was basically... It was flying across the top of the crowd and it would find me and then it found me and it did this other big huge move to reveal the stage, all right? And... 
I'm standing and I'm just surrounded by, I'm in the middle of this crowd. There's 3,000 people in each direction. And it was just fucking amazing, you know, and I'm just doing this. And, you know, you just have that moment, that little brief moment. And, you know, I think, you know, when you think about what's an example, um, so the world surfing title, Kelly Slater Uh will win the championship on a wave that's 12 seconds long. You're right? Right. And that's it. That's at 12 seconds of his life that he's created. And I get to have these moments that I just. Well, it's Usain Bolt at the Olympics. Yeah, it's over. 10 seconds. And that's it. And Less than 10 seconds. It's if you glorious. run 10 seconds, you didn't get a ribbon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so but so the live stuff is great. So number one, live. Okay. okay. So t- have you hosted, tell me what the hardest thing you've hosted live is. Oh, the hardest thing I've hosted live was one Channel V show we did. Channel V is a music television show in Australia. Um, like used- MTV or one yeah, of those Yeah, yeah. Well, like shows. MTV used to be. Used to More be. like Much Music in Canada. Um, and we would we did a show at Federation Square in Melbourne, and it was right. By the way, I love your internet international context you're dropping here. <laughs> you've dropped British, you've dropped American, you've dropped Canadian. You I really do it. no, but I really feel like you know because I do actually have. I see the statistics. I have listeners in all those countries, yeah. and I feel like at least once in this podcast, each of them has gone. Yes, that is okay. I understand that better. Well done. Thank <laughs> you, Washer. It's important. <laughs> you've got to inform yet not patronise at the same time. No, that's, I that's, that's the think way you forward. fucking nailed it, mate. Uh, I, hope I'm, I hope I'm getting close to being okay. I've been at it for long enough. So you're hosting this thing for General Vert. Yeah, and we were at Federation Square and um, we'd been on the road for a long time. We used to get on a bus and go around the country and we'd been on the road for a long time and I was tired and um, we just had our executive producer, we just had the whole executive team kind of basically leave. We had a new team in charge and it. I'd been, to go back in time, I I was at the big day out in 2001 when Jessica Michalik died at uh-huh. the Limp Biscuit set and I saw what went down backstage and I felt the crowd. I knew the vibe of the crowd. It was very, very, very – I'm getting chills just thinking about it. I went to the Coronial Inquiry. I watched Fred Durst testify. and I was So that's always on my mind. Whenever I'm in front of a crowd, I'm always, always aware that – with the microphone, you have a responsibility. You, you've Man, got that's, to be so I careful. Mean, that, that's an interesting time that you bring up because Adam and I were doing breakfast on Triple J and that year we were doing a thing where we were touring yeah. uh, all five big days out with the big day out organisation. And yeah. so we'd done the Gold Coast yeah. and then that happened. Yeah. And uh, at the time, Triple J then had to run that news story constantly yeah. and kind of dig into that. And we were like, back. I remember that that time in my life very, very yeah. distinctly. So I've never stood in front of a crowd without having that on my mind. Yeah. All right? I've never stood in front of a crowd going, in some way I've got a duty of care here. In some way, I can't be responsible for everybody's actions, but the person on the mic can, and you do it all the time. I remember my director, Bernie, used to say, all people need is permission to behave. Uh-huh. You tell them to dance, they'll dance. Yep. Tell them to riot, they'll riot. They just need someone to tell them it's okay. Yeah. And anyway, so we're doing this show, it was fucking hot. I fucking dig that, by the way. That's it's really good. It's true, though. Yeah. It's absolutely true. He, I mean, we are. We're fucking he, he brought up, he brought up uh, shall we say, fascist Europe at the yeah, time, in sure. the 30s, I mean, to go, that's right. all you need. As long as you tell people, no, 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 it's fine if you do that. I mean, as long as you have a charismatic public speaker at the front of it. People will say, oh, I've, I've got permission to do it, I'll do it. Right. Uh, it's a Stanley Milgram test, you know, the... the um, the prisoner and uh, guard. Oh no, no, the uh, the electrocution from yeah, one room to the other test. Room. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and we had some punk band playing. I can't remember who they were, and we were undergunned security wise. It was very hot, and there were people fainting, and there were people 
girls getting passed over, and I was very aware of people fainting standing up. You know, and, uh, and what, what was the what was the age demographic of those things? Were they young? Uh, they, they were, were free young to people? get in. It was public. Yeah. yeah, it was mostly like teenage to yeah. early. So 20s. people who don't have a lot of experience, like no, in, not like in, those, in situations. those situations. And I remember and being, that, you know, might be get over yeah, excited. Yeah. yeah, and I was on the mic, and we were doing a live show, and I just came off that stage, and I was like, I'm never. I even said to the guy, I said, I don't, I'm, I don't ever want to do a show like that again. I'm never doing a show like that again. That was just too, too, too dangerous. And that was the hardest thing to host for me. Um, that was because at any moment I really – now, bear in mind, I might have been overplaying it. I might have just been tired and I might have been, you know, just kind of freaking out a bit about it. But I was, I was, I was quite scared. I was quite scared that something was going to go amiss and uh, it was going to happen while we were live. Uh, I told you before we started the podcast, you were like, should I shut the door? And I said, no, at some stage, Ramona will come in and join us on the podcast. So she's now sitting on my she's lap. pretty gorgeous. Yeah, I'm going to take her little collar off. She's had an operation recently, mate. Yeah. And she uh, had to get a little bit of a tail amputated. She didn't mm. have a tail anyway. She had an ingrown tail. Mm. And it was causing us some trouble. So she had to go and have an operation, which she did not understand. And yeah. she was not in good spirits for a while, but okay. she's uh, she's okay now. Oh, that's good. Have you ever that's had animals? Good. Are you an animal person at we all? We are going through. I sent the request off to the landlord today that we could get a dog. Oh, is that right? Yeah. What sort of dog? We're going to get a cavoodle. Oh, is that right? A yeah. cavoodle, eh? Yeah. I tried to get Lab across the line. Audrey tried to get a Roddy across the line. <laughs> the kid won in the end. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, there's a fair difference between the Roddy and the Cavoodle. Yeah, the kid <laughs> the kid won in the end, and yeah, that's that, fine. That's not Hamish and or Andy. That no. is a very different choice it's that you're very, making in the it's market. It's a very different choice. Yeah. I disagree. Hamish and Andy couldn't be two different people. I mean, they are, yeah, they are very right. different people. It's funny. I have a little joke in my uh, like in my show. It's really good. That it's a really good line. That, that references Hamish and Andy. And I think they're both... Is brilliant, but yeah. the line uh, itself, like it's not actually mean spirited. To oh, it's Andy. really good. Like it, it's one of those things. But every time I do it, I'm like, I hope that no one thinks this is me having a go at Hamish and Andy. I just think this is a really funny joke. No, it's a really good line, <laughs> but it's absolutely true. That right. was exactly my experience. Yeah, I was like, fuck it. How did you learn to do this, Andy Lee? Fucking Hamish was here. Holy shit. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's one of the great things. And, and then they combine one yeah. of twin powers and then you go, well, of course you're the kings of radio. I mean, it's amazing to me, those guys. I mean, they're, I think they're absolutely fantastic and I'd love to have them on the podcast at some stage. Um, but I, uh, the thing that I love about them the most is people don't understand how hard it is to be in a creative partnership mm. and the way that they have maintained their friendship and their closeness. Since they were 15. And... They complement each other. Absolutely. They're both brilliant in their own ways. Yeah. But they've never let... I mean, the, the joke in the show where I talk about Hamish being... You know, I mean, essentially the, the punchline is, but Hamish is funnier, is is not actually... Hamish is funnier than me. Hamish is funnier than everybody. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so that kind of makes me admire Andy as well because, yeah. like, if... Like, Andy's a guy that could easily go out on his own or could easily, you know, go out with somebody else and be... You know, the yeah, gun. Tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? Tomorrow. Like, easily. Like, pretty much walk into a room with anyone else in the country. Yeah. But he instead, he's gone, you know what? I'm happy to be, like, you know, with this guy who's clearly a fucking genius. Like, just like just so... But I put it to you that Haim couldn't do what he does without Andy. Well, and I absolutely agree with that. And that's the other thing I love about them, is Haim's never felt, to me, like he thinks that he could do it all without Andy. Mm. 
It's a and very... he tells a great story, and he's fucking funny. He tells good stories. Oh yeah, I mean, look, I mean, again, yeah. like like I said in the yeah, like like I'm saying to you, this, the joke is in no way meant to be disrespectful. No, 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 to, no. to uh, Andy. I just think it's a funny. Kind and they're of also idea. very savvy businessmen. A lot of people don't know that about those guys. They're yeah, they're very, smart, very smart. Very early, you know, very early, they were like, and we're starting our own production company. We're independent of the thing. They very, very clever, you know. And I think I, I hope a lot of that came from. You know their early rove experience. Tell me about this. How, how do you see yourself as a business person? Because I'm I'm the first to admit that I'm a terrible business person. Right. Like I mean, I have three free podcasts. I, I mean, <laughs> like I, I make a lot of terrible decisions, and I I've, over the years I will get to the end of my life, and I will have turned down probably eighty percent of the money I could have made in my life. Like I just prefer to do the things that I do and I don't make clever financial decisions and I have a fucking apartment in LA, you know, that I can't afford and I, whatever, you know, whatever. I just, that's who I am. But then I look at, and, and I don't know how to monetize things and I'm not interested in that aspect of the business. I feel like you have at least some of that, or at least you've tried to learn some of that yeah. recently. Tell me which of those two things it is. Uh, well, I, uh, we were just talking in your yard um, 2005, 2006, this exact era I was just describing when this Channel V show went down, I had like six jobs. I was working so fucking hard. Right. I just, you know, I just, Why did you have six jobs? I just said yes to everybody. Yeah. It, was it because, Husey and I have talked about this a lot. We've both been very, very busy people. Mm. And our theory on it is that we can't say no because there was a time in our life yeah. where everyone fucking said no. I think that's no it as well. And no one said yes. Yeah. And we were just never got to the point yeah. where you're like, it's, it's hard for, to say no to something. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what's happening uh, at the moment again. It's starting up again. But about around that time, I was very, uh, I, I, was, I was living a very different life. I was uh, drinking and I was. When you say you were drinking, like what sort of drinking yeah. were you doing? Are you happy to talk about this? You don't have to, by the way. But, uh, yeah. But I'm just interested. Like, Do you edit this? I mean, I can. Like, I, okay, I cool. here's what I would say: say what you want to say, and if you say yeah. anything that you feel uncomfortable with, all right. At the end, we'll just take it out. Okay, I'm happy cool. to do that. Hang on a sec. Is that your phone or your alarm or something? No, it's my phone. It's someone calling from Sydney. So oh, okay, that's good. Um, yeah, I'm happy to talk about. I'm happy to talk about drinking. Yeah, um, were you drinking? Like, when people say drinking, because I drink a lot, and and you know, sometimes I check it and go, "Am I drinking too much?" I'm very lucky in my life that I don't have an addictive personality. I've always been able to do whatever I want to do, and then kind of wake. Well, I do, but I'm addicted to comedy and mm. being able to create comedy. So if anything ends up getting in the the way of that, then that other thing becomes unimportant mm. to me, you know. Yeah. But where what was drinking your life? Where it had come? Where had it come from? Um, and then where had it got to? Where it was like bad news. It was. For you? I think you know. I started Brisbane Brisbane drinking, which is pretty country drinking, yeah. which I'm sure you're quite familiar with. Yeah, I've done some Brisbane drinking. Yeah, um, but. You know, I'd, I'd always been very, very, you know, very jumpy kid, very afraid of stuff. All right, just had it. You know, had panic attacks when I was really early, all that kind of thing. How early do you remember being five? panicking? Yeah, okay. Five, having like and first full-on fucking meltdown. And what do you yeah. panic about when you're five? I don't know, but yeah, you just think okay. the world's ending. Yeah, so it's this feeling of overwhelming dread that you think the world's actually going to yeah. end right there and then. And, and I mean, I guess that's part of it, right? And I don't mm. want to certainly explain it to you. I'd rather you explain it to no, me. No, well, but. it's just the thing. You know, alcohol is a very conveniently, wildly available, socially acceptable mild medication for yeah. a vast majority vast vast array of kind of uh mental disorders yeah absolutely and um everyone's like oh no that's okay to have that and right. for some folks that's that's ace and that's all it takes but um for some folks 
Um, I'm, you know, classify myself as one of them. Um, the dose that you need, it tends to start increasing. Uh-huh. The dose you need to start feeling normal. You're not drinking to be with people. You're not, you're drinking to just fucking make everything stop. Yeah, okay. You're just drinking to make it all just fucking, all just quiet, please. Can it just be fucking quiet? Yeah, sure. And it takes a couple and then you're like, ah, but then you can't fucking, and that's the thing. Um, so um, tell me about, and again, like it's anytime, no, right. we, anytime we get Look, into I'm happy area, to talk yeah. about it. Look, I'm, that, I'm happy to talk about it because I never knew, I never knew what it was to not drink. Right. Absolutely. We're involved in a culture God. where it's like, I mean, I go to my work, I drink at my work, you know, and nobody has a problem with that. Incidentally, I want to, do you have some sort of mega bladder? Did you have something in, installed when you were in Los Angeles? Because I watched you down, and I'm sure there was a couple of pre-shows as well. I watched you down four stubbies the other night. You were on stage for 90 minutes. Sure. How the fuck did you not explode? Dr. Showbiz, mate. There's this thing that happens. Like, I can go, like, literally the, the 15 minutes before I go on stage, I could go three times. But when you're on stage, there's something that just takes over. I guess it's adrenaline or whatever those things, wow. but it, I, I just don't need to go. Do you then just burst when you get off stage? No, there's like a cooling off period and then you just go back to normal. But I would say, ordinarily, I have what I sometimes worry is not a good enough bladder. Because I thought for a second what you were doing with that drinking was, you know, some comedians wait for the light to flash. Some people have their phone that buzzes them in their pocket. Uh-huh. And I thought what you were doing is kind of like what the Anzacs did with the Turks and that they had the little uh, dripping water into the cup that pulled down and then shot the rifle off and like if i drink enough beers when it comes time for me to really need to pee that's about time i should get off well actually weirdly enough you're not far from the truth yeah really yeah normally when i run out of beer i finish <laughs> it's about a three beer show it's a three beer show but the other night this is what i forgot about the night you the came and saw the show you a beer. A bo- the bloke from the audience brought me back a beer so it just went a little longer <laughs> Great, it's great theory, mate. Yeah, I mean, if, I love you, it. if you really want me to keep going, no. come to one of the shows this week and bring a six pack. But, uh, uh, but yeah, so drinking. Were you drinking uh, at work? Um, well, Channel V was pretty loose yeah, environment. So you probably could. All right, so occasionally, you know, that sort of thing it was, you know, just kind of around, and no yeah. one really seemed to bat an eyelid, and it was kind of, you know, happened, but never really. Uh, I tried to never on air. I just can't do it. Um, but afterwards. You know, the thing with drinking uh, that I was doing is that um, it's just got to do with the way the brain works and that I had to race one, like a week I stopped drinking, I, would, I read three books on what alcohol does to your brain, right? Uh-huh. And um, the, the the way that alcohol affects the hippocampus, which is the thing that creates memory. Okay. And um, so after two drinks, that's already affected. Like it's, you're quite unable to create new neural pathways. Um, just, to be honest, I've not remembered a word you've said. So I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but it was like, say, for example, we're in the back of Will's house in his, um, uh, uh, what did you call it the other day? Your joint party meeting room. Yeah. Um, and say, for example, we were back here and there was a backyard full of people having a barbecue. All right, yep. And I didn't know any of them. Mm-hmm. If I was in here in the old days, I would be, you know, I'm just visualizing it now. I'm getting nervous already. I would want to have at least two beers so I could detach myself, just pull myself a little, a few inches inside my own body so it was safe to go outside because I was unable to be that connected. It was just too intense. How does a guy who 
feels like that. Because, mm. I mean, I understand what you're saying about, you know, the, the live show when you're being in control and that giving you a moment of like, oh, I'm in control of this. I yeah. totally get that. But how does, how do you go through everything that gets you to that point when you have that sort of level of like, you know, anxiety that you carry with you? Like, I mean, I, I, people have to do it all the time, by the way. This is like mental illness of any description is so common in Australia and so little yeah. talked One about. One in four people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's staggering you know and and the impact that it can have on your life eight australians will commit suicide today five of them will be men i mean that's crazy 80 and 80 i mean if that was a car accident fuck no forget about it it'd be lead on the news every night if it was gun violence forget it think about it that way it never it never fucking allow it it never happened right so Move um, that microphone just a little bit more around, that yeah, like that. That's good. Yeah? That's fine. Okay, yeah. And then you can talk like that. All right, cool. But when um, you just did that thing from side to side in the head, like um, you went off mic a little bit. And oh, I did was I? like, it was good. It was a good effect. I appreciate it. If you were a band in the 80s, it would have been like people like, oh, have you heard oh, that new song? It had a Proclaimers 500 <laughs> miles, ba 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 ba, sort of feel to it to me. <laughs> uh, so what were we saying? We were talking about. Oh, you're talking oh about- how do I get there? Yeah. Okay, because I knew that, that, and I'm sure you get this as well, is that. On show days, it's nothing but focus, and I really get off on that. And that's yeah, okay. the and this is the thing that I have learned is the the I'm really grateful for the fact that my brain's different because okay. I have this brain that will not stop until something's done, uh-huh. and then I'll check to make sure it's done, and then I'll fucking do it so perfectly. All right, so I have that part of my brain that I'm able to use, and it's the thing that got me. To that point of only just being, um, I wouldn't say perfectionist, I'd say I just would never be happy unless something was exceptional, all right? So, uh, how long did it take you to be comfortable with saying that there's a positive side to that? that I had to, or no, it wasn't until ages later. It wasn't until after um, uh, I got diagnosed with um, uh, social anxiety in 2006, and then, uh, which is... You're fucking nuts that my job is to right. be in a room full of people staring at me when the one thing I'm terrified of is being in a room full of people staring at me. But the thing was is that my coping mechanism was if I talk loudly, at least I have an idea of what they might think about me. Because right. just to stand here silently imagining what they might think about me, imagining what they might judge me is torture. I'm not sure whose quote this is originally, but it said of stand-up comedians that they become stand-up comedians so they can control how people laugh at them. Precisely. That is exactly, like I would talk loudly in lifts. Right. Really uncomfortable for everybody. Uh-huh. But that was the only way I could do it. Only way I could stand in a small box with strangers. Um, so I ended up getting paid for my coping mechanism. I ended up, you know, handsomely too. And I got, you know, quite good at it. So to answer your question, that's how I got to stage. It was, it was the, you know, the hours after or the days after when I'm just sitting around the house. That's the worst. When did you realize that the drinking was problematic? Was it a sudden realization or was it like a, a realization oh. over like a, a period of time? If I had listened when someone first told me. That- oh, so, so, so someone did tell you. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. My early okay. 20s, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, yeah. But I, you know. I mean, I probably could look back and have people have told me, but mostly I tell them to get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, give me a bit. Yeah, but it was people who were like genuinely concerned, you know. Mm. Um, but but you didn't listen to them because you just didn't believe it was true? Yeah, that. And again, what I talked about before is that, 
you're unable to make right. new. You're un, you're, but that's why people do it all. That's why the people they, you know, they do the same fucking thing every time because they forgot that last time they did it. You know, someone ended up crying, something ended up broken, right? You know, and then they just fucking do it again, and they go, you know, the, some the same bloke drops the pants the same time of the night every time. It's like it's not it's still not funny, but they can't remember that it's not a good idea. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm really lucky. I'm really, really, really lucky because towards the end it got it got pretty grim. Yeah, towards the end. Was there stuff that you needed to like? Um once you had dealt with it, like once you started dealing with it, I guess that's how you mm. say it. Um, was there stuff that you had to go and repair? Had you broken anything so oh, much yeah. <laughs> that you felt like I tried as hard as I could to go back? There's still, you know, there's still, some there's stuff that can't be list repaired. Of, there's a long list of people I need to go and talk to. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, and that's a very big part of it. You know, that's what a really does that feel like? I mean, I, I'm sure that I have that too. If I want to think about it, like um, you know, and mistakes that I've made and all those sort of things. But is that something that weighs heavy on you, or is there is there is nothing you- there's nothing as freeing as taking responsibility for when you're really fucked up, right? And because we all do. The only thing, in my experience, the only thing that can, or the only thing that can come close to repairing damage like that is to try and put into words what you imagine that person went through because of your behavior. Uh-huh. To be and, genuinely empathetic. And to generally and, and and try and make them understand that when I did this you might have felt this way. That might right. have made you feel this way. When I said this, it could have not never telling them what they thought or right. what they smelled or what they smelled, what they thought or what they saw. I mean, well, if that yeah, was, yeah, I mean, to be honest, mate, yeah. if there was a smelling situation, yeah, yeah. you do have some apologies. Yeah, truly, <laughs> truly. Um, but yeah, it's when when you we can we can forgive everything, mate, except for what we smell. <laughs> and it's just being real thorough, man. It's being yeah. real thorough, and like I'm not, I'm still not. Nobody's perfect, but mate. okay, no, but, and no one expects you to be. But here's what I would say about that: is I think one of the things that stops people from genuinely changing their life or repairing that stuff is the fact that the minute you acknowledge it then you've got so much more hard fucking work to do after that to fucking fix this shit sometimes it's easier just to keep going along with what you're doing rather than start the fucking hard work of fixing it all because that's like you're basically knocking the place down and start well that's exactly it and i I don't think fixing is the right word i'd like to say is like um just do everything i could to clean up my part of the mess yeah sure everything that I can to clean up my part of the mess. Yeah. And if I've cleaned up my part of the mess, then that's the, you know, I've got to be happy okay, with that. So but t- I can't, I can't, I can't repair some parts of it and I've just got to be, a, and that's a boundary thing. Okay. So here's what I'm going to say. I don't want to talk about this for the whole thing it's because okay. there's other things to talk about and that I'm very interested to talk about, but, right. um, but it is also really fascinating to me. So um, I'm going to ask a couple of more questions sure, and then we'll you move want. on. Um, when did you... When did you realize? When did you go, okay, this is, I've got to stop? Um, like, like any, you know, like anyone who's been in my, was in my position or a version of my position, you're trying to stop a few times by yourself. Yeah. You try and see how far you can go. You know, oh, I might just not drink this week. I might not drink this four weeks. I might, you know, I once made it a whole season of on air of Idol. I okay. once made 10 weeks. Right. Yeah, without, without drinking. Yeah, okay. And then on the after party, it was right. just, I was DJing. And I was like, <laughs> I want a bucket of heartache out of it. And it was like a duck to fucking yeah. water. Um, I'm back. 
Oh, dude, I didn't even blink. Heineken um, had a black. So, <laughs> Heineken had a terrible three months. Yeah. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> uh, so yeah, there was a few like like you know I tried I tried to stop by myself yeah. and, it, and you know it didn't. Uh, it just didn't take. Didn't you know I wasn't able to do it because I hadn't. And you mentioned it before. You know you've really got to figure out why you what 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 did it, what skills do you lack in dealing with the world as it is that you have to anesthetize yourself so you uh-huh. can cope with the world as it is. Right. So you have to start dealing with the actual fucking problems. Exactly. It's you got to learn and so because I you know I it, it, so it got to the point where I was like I was like drinking every day and then earlier in the day and then I was just I was just unable to stop. Sure. And there's nothing fucking worse. I promise you that. When you actually can't. Oh, no, Even no. though you want to. I mean, I've seen it up close. Yeah, like no more, doubt you have. More, fucking... more, more times than I would want to. Of course to, you have. To, uh, would yeah, want to of course you have. To people that I love. Yeah, so no I doubt. Get it. And so I was really lucky in that I, I had a very clear, clear moment that it was like, well, I've got a choice here. I can have, you know, what's at the end of this road and it's pretty fucking clear what it is. Yeah. Or I can try something else because at the moment every day is the same and it's getting I know exactly what's going to happen if I keep doing this but the other way I don't quite know what's going to happen but it's not that way and I don't want to end up down there so, so how does that path start what do you start with because you've got to start with something you've got to get be, to a point and the reason I want to ask you and yeah? this is and yeah? just to put this in context is I bet there's a million people out here like listening to this a million that's what I think <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, I, I bet there's a whole part of their audience for, yeah. who this is resonating with, whether it's to do with this particular like topic, but to be at a point in your life where suddenly you have to go, it might be a relationship, it might yeah. be a job thing, it might be a, a drug of another kind or whatever, but this idea that suddenly you have to go, this you are not part of my life anymore. It's the I simple, am not taking yeah. the booty call from you, uh, I'm not like... It's, you know, it's this, and it's, I'm not the first person to say it, but it's really simple. When the pain of change is smaller right. than the pain of staying the same. Uh-huh. So the change at the other end, when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. So a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to change, it's too painful. Oh, I don't want to change, it's too painful. At the point that if I don't change, I'm going to be under all this fucking pain, that's when you go, okay, yeah, I've got okay. to do something about it. So this. how do you start though? What did you do? Was there something that you did specifically to start? Yeah, just I, I, I got to a point where I just woke up one morning and I, even though I'd said it, many times before uh-huh. you really really have to in your the bottom deepest part of your heart realize all right i don't ever want to fucking do that again okay. ever ever i don't no no one around me deserves that i don't deserve that my family don't deserve that and that's pr- that's okay that keeps you going for a while right all right, that keeps you going for a while. Yeah, I can imagine that's a good yeah. kickstart. But eventually, you, uh, I mean, I, di- I didn't do it alone, man. And you don't have to you don't have to look very far in the community to uh, to find wonderful, loving people who welcome you with open arms that and have been down and dirty and worse than you could ever imagine. Who are who are more than happy to take your hand and, and okay, and but show here's, you through. here's what I would say about that. And uh, is I ask you this question. You're not just anybody going in off the street. Like, you're a guy off the telly at that stage, like a well-known enough I guy. I was really lucky, Will. I was in North America at the time. Okay. And I do you think really... that made a big difference? Oh, in fuck, like, yeah. yeah. Do you think you could have done the same thing here in Australia? <sighs> no, to be honest with you, 
I would my anxiety would have kept me from right. going to find because you would help. have been worried that you would have walked in the door and everybody knows who it is. I don't and, give a fuck now. Uh, okay, what about this then? Um, what do you replace the time and energy with? Like because that's the thing. Like that when somebody mm. gives something up that has consumed yeah. so much of your time, well, that, suddenly what you suddenly have is all this immersing time. yourself into that community. Okay, that and that's that's really because you know. So you you were spending the time that you were spending, kind of like not dealing with it, suddenly dealing with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I was really, and I I really didn't kind of immerse myself into that uh, until after I got divorced because I was like, well, now I've really got to fucking right. I've really got to figure out what the hell happened here. And uh, you mentioned breaking it all apart and putting it back together. That's when I kind of took a hammer to myself, to be honest. And I'd already, you know, I hadn't had a drink for like a year and a half. But by that point, I was like, okay, I've got to figure out how the fuck did I manage to get in this situation. Okay, so here's uh, something I want to say out loud because we've started kind of, we've dived into the deep end in this podcast, which I like and it's fantastic. I'm not here to but fuck I, spiders, Will. No, you're not here to fuck spiders. <laughs> Although, to be honest, in this podcast, there would be plenty of them for you to fuck. Any redbacks back here? Yeah, oh, mate, you could like you could probably find a redback in, in this room some size, in that you've creepy a, little dollhouse. You've got yeah, a dollhouse behind me! I don't have a dollhouse. That is Amy's childhood dollhouse really? that we're going to at some stage, you know, do up. And do you like, think when she was a kid Kid, she imagined living in there with a uh, you know a little version of Will. I mean, no, I can oh, I can come tell. Come I, I, I I'm not sure she still imagines that. Usher. This is some storeboard. Yes, thing. no, that's why that's why we still have it, mate. We're gonna get it. To, it was it was built for her. So um, with the original casters and everything. Yeah, I oh, mean it's, it's yeah it's fantastic. It's in beautiful. fact, I think it was her mum's before it was hers. Wow. So yeah, it's old school. Uh, but there is heaps of spiders here. But uh, this this is what I want to say is that. You know, the reason that you're on this podcast and uh, everyone, uh, if people are new to the podcast, thank you. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, the idea of this podcast is everyone that I have on the podcast has a connection with my life in some way. And we have had um, several little ways that our paths have crossed over the years in a way that I feel that I know you probably much better than I actually know you. You know what I mean? Like you're just a person that's always vaguely been on the periphery of my life. And it's only in the last you know, kind of couple of years we've actually got to know each other mm. a little better and still nowhere near as much as I would like How to know How good is Twitter? You. I mean, yeah, right? Twitter's amazing, man. Social media, yeah. podcasts, these sort of things. Yeah. It gives us an opportunity to get together and chat. Yeah. But I've always really liked you. I've always had like a great deal of time with you. I'm a, a big fan. To say. Um, and I think you have a great big heart and all these things. And the reason I want to say that is that we've dived in the deep end to when all this shit has gone wrong. And yeah. I, I don't want to be like... Yeah, this is the context of this talk. But because we're here, it's good to talk about it when it comes up. Yeah. So when you come out of a marriage and when yeah. but you said you've been you're know, not drinking for a year and a half. Yes. But suddenly you're having a process of like self examination yes. about yourself. Yes. What was it about yourself that you looked at and you did not enjoy? It was I had Dream Gig, incredible you know, my, you know, the relationship I was in was, you know, probably if I had my little dollhouse when I was a kid, that's probably what I've imagined it was. Right. Um, living in another country, big, beautiful house. We built a big, beautiful house. It was great. Had it all. And then somehow I managed to, you know, fucking fuck it up. Yeah. And I thought to myself, again, like the pain of change versus the pain of uh, staying the same. I was like, there's no way... I want to live the rest of my life being a person that manages to torpedo such an incredible situation. Yeah. 
were it to ever happen again. So uh, no way. And so I am very grateful for the gift that I was given of that process of self-examination and that process. And this is a constant process and I do it every day. I fuck up every single day. I try my hardest to make it better straight away and I try my hardest to get to bed every night just trying to leave the world a little a nicer place than I left it. I'm not by any means saying I walked across the water of your swimming pool to get to the pod cave, mate. I'm like every day is still mate, tricky. We all like but yeah. this is the ridiculous I just thing. I just wanted to point that out, but Right, but it's the, worth the, saying. The, I mean yeah. I got in trouble with Amy. Like we're not in trouble, but I was like Osha's coming over to do the podcast and she was like, Why didn't you tell me the house is like and I was like, come on, it's not your house she was is like glorious. she's like can't be inviting celebrities there. I'm like oh, fuck hey, off. Hey. I was like oh all my mates come over to the house, but apparently you're a celebrity because we watch The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> You've had far more famous people than me on your show. I have, Osha. Yeah, to be you honest. have. You really but have. Struck a chord with Amy, apparently, because um, of our weekly Wednesday and Thursday nights. Yeah. So the getting mad at you when you <laughs> went over into Gruen time and you had compelling storylines. <laughs> so um, I, uh, in the in the words of of I guess my mentor. I now get to live the rest of my life not being that guy. Okay, that's nice. And that's a big part of the name change. That's a big part of all that is I I got to very, you know, very gratefully see that part of my life close behind me and, and then because back to talking about the, the, the hippocampus, like the, to the, the part of your brain that creates memories, I hadn't really learned how to interact with the world as an adult I'd pretty much arrested my oh, yeah. all my socializing had been done uh-huh. with alcohol involved. So here I am, thirty six, spat out into the world, looking at it like a frightened fat teenager. Yeah, right. And dealing with everybody like I'm a frightened fat teenager. How do you do that? Usually fear and anger, which is the same thing. Um, and so I had to figure that out. I had to fucking how the fuck do I do this now? And now well, I how get, the fuck do you do that? Well, it's a daily practice and it's a daily you know a lot comes from you'd be astonished with how much of the things that irk you are purely because of the way you choose to see things. Oh, I would it's not be amazed at that, Osha. Well, it so many my, people don't understand No, no, that. but it is, my, it is my constant refrain in life is that your perspective on yeah. things is like everything. 90% of everything. You can, go from, you can go from victim to victor in the blink of an eye. Like in the words of our mate Bill Hicks, it's fear and love. It's a blink of an eye. You can choose to look at it with the fear eye, choose to look at it with a love eye. Fear, there's only two emotions, fear and love. Fear is anger. Fear is jealousy. Fear is resentment. Love is gratitude. Love is humility. Love is joy. Love is empathy. Love is happiness for someone for achieving something great that you haven't, but good for them because fuck that must feel good versus jealousy or, or anger. And it's this, the thing that's external to you is happening whether you can't, you, you have absolutely no control over that thing. It's all in how you choose to look at it. And having the opportunity to see how I was looking at my life and going, oh, I'm doing that thing. I'm doing that. Oh, okay. All right, that's the thing that I okay. I don't want to do that anymore. What's the opposite of that? Oh, okay, this. And weirdly and- enough, I learned that a little bit through um, not a kind of like a sober lifestyle thing, but back in my earlier days when I was like partying really hard. Like early enough, it occurred to me that if you had like a big Saturday night that on Tuesday when you were crying about some internet comment, it probably wasn't actually that you cared about the internet comment, you know. No. That there was like, and that, just that perspective, that ability to be able to step away from your own life and look at it from outside. Yeah. But I would 
suggests perhaps from my experiences around mental illness that the problem with you know mental illnesses is that they block out that bit i reckon one of the hardest things about like you know having suffering depression or anxiety is that when you are suffering those things it almost takes away your ability to step outside yourself and go i am depressed right now or i am anxious yeah, right it's now. it is very it's and that's what well, makes it more difficult perhaps. that's a very important thing and if you're into kind of odd perspectives on this Eckhart Tolle is the uh, is the guy to go to for this um, it's very much there's two there's two things inside you right now Will there's you talking mm-hmm. and you you know engaging me in this conversation and then there's you observing how you are dealing with this sure alright that's it's within all of us alright but a lot of people don't manage to make that split there's three of me actually there's yeah. me also internet commenting on it <laughs> just saying really mean spirited things there's you know but if you can recognize that the higher version is the version that's observing, all right, and the other one is the reactive version, all right, and if you can try as hard as you can to be more in the observing style and just going, oh, right, okay, so like I'm doing these negotiations at the moment, right? I don't have a manager anymore, so I'm doing negotiations myself and... You know, I'll be on the phone and my heart will start racing and da-da-da-da-da. And then I'll go, oh, oh, well, of course I feel that way. Okay, well, it's not personal. All right, so just take a breath. And and then me goes, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. You know, it's it, and I don't, I'm not nuts. You know, that's just we have it within all of us. But who you, ch- how you choose to react to the world is completely up to you. And that is extraordinary freedom. It's I extraordinary mean, freedom. The greatest example I will give, and I've, I've talked about this before, but it's a practical example. Just for a week... Just to de-stress yourself, leave for everything 15 minutes earlier. That's amazing. Like, it will amaze you how less pissed off you are with everybody Mm. if you are not rushed to be getting to things. Like, it's... And that, even in that moment where you're like, oh, that's right, my environment and, you know, my mindset has so much to do with the way that I react to the world, then it gives you the capacity to then distance yourself from it. Yeah. When I was... um, I was having a really hard work situation and uh, I was seeing somebody to talk about it and she gave me one of the greatest bits of advice of all time i said like you know i just i I can't deal with this situation what do i do and she said well here's what you do just pretend that you like them you know you don't like them and you know but all they want you to do at the office is be a person who is pretending that they like them she goes just pretend she you don't even have to like them in fact every time that you say that you like them in your head you're allowed to go this is me secretly saying i hate them you can you can literally <laughs> live in that world if you want to but just say out loud the opposite because you're in control of your own world and your own being still yeah. and it was amazing how that little thing changed our entire relationship to the point where it almost became a positive and good working relationship because i had just stepped outside yeah. a bit and didn't feel like i had to win every fucking battle yeah. the other one that it always comes up is uh, one night amy and i were uh, uh we were just having like a date night here at the house you know but it was a night by ourselves and, yeah and we were going to watch a movie and i had seen the movie and she had not seen the movie but the entire idea of the night was that amy and i would have a night together right there was no other point to the night like there was no reason we had to see the movie i had seen it before yeah but i'm on the couch and I start to get pissed off that she's getting up and not watching the movie and she's like pottering around and she's having a good time, but she's not concentrating on the movie. And I'm like, and I'm getting mad at her because I'm like, you should be concentrating on the movie. 
Because I'd forgotten that the idea of the night wasn't to watch the fucking movie. Yeah. You know? The idea of the... I was sabotaging the overall idea of the night, which was Amy and I would have a nice night yeah, together. Yeah. Because suddenly I got obsessed with this thing that wasn't actually the broader thing that yeah, I was... If yeah. she's happy wandering around and doing whatever... That was literally the point of the night. You're happy. You've seen the fucking movie before and you're sitting on the couch. Yeah. Why are you getting angry now at something that... Anyway, so... No, 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 it is. Uh, how often do you search outside? You've quoted a few people so far in the podcast. Are you a reader of other people's like you know, thoughts and philosophies The wonderful on thing, and here's the, the key. I think the key to all this is that my the best ideas that I had, well, the very best, the smartest... I could be the cleverest that I was as as the the best possible concepts I could think of to then action um left me with a marriage that ended left me have I got what no Sorry. no are we you right? missing dog uh not yet do we need, do we need to go looking for a dog uh, I'll let you go. <laughs> um the very very best thinking that I could do as far, as smart as I could possibly be, got left me with a marriage that ended, uh-huh. left me, you know, to be honest, in a job that I was having a very great difficulty with, uh, lost me my house, eventually, you know, lost me a job. So I thought, that's the smartest I can be. I might have to fucking listen to someone else's ideas. Right. As soon as I started listening to someone else's ideas and taking them as... I'm just going to follow what you say because I know that what I think isn't the smartest thing anymore. Everything started getting better. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you have a, is that an iWatch, better. by the way? Yeah. Have you got an, an iWatch? It's an Apple Watch. And yeah. it's like, a, yeah, or whatever it's called. It's, it's yeah. called an Apple Watch. Is that what it's called? Not an iWatch. Yeah, it's an Apple Watch. It's called yeah. an Apple Watch. Um, did you get that when it first came out? What do you think? Yes. I'm going to... Well, here's the thing. I waited five weeks. This week, this is what I love. Like, again, this is the thing that I love about you as well. Uh, we were going to arrange a podcast time and you sent me some fucking weird internet thing where I go into your calendar and like, click it? times. Look, it's good, but it's like you're definitely of that world where you're like, you know, look at me with my Apple Watch and my modern day calendars that you click times. And like, I just normally just send someone a text. <laughs> Like, what is it about that world that excites you? I, I, I mean, you're obviously, you know, you, you want to be part of that sort of modern yeah, world. Yeah, I've been very. Yeah, I've been. So, what, what is it about that that interests you? I never cease to be amazed by modern technology's capacity to give us more time to do stuff we would like to do that isn't involved. Somebody said it to me the other day. Yeah. They, they were talking about their idea of like, oh, you're just wasting an hour and a half on YouTube watching stuff. And like they just said, yeah. And in the old days, that would have been an hour and a half where I churned butter. Do you yes. know what I mean? So I just bought some butter at the supermarket. So now I'm going to take an hour and a half off yeah. and look at some shit on YouTube. It's the best. So I rem- we've, we are moving into a new house right now. So we've got a new washing machine. I remember seeing uh, this fantastic documentary about washing machines. Okay, and when, they, when they first came That's out. That's what you fill your time with when uh, you don't well, drink? Well, no, look, it was really interesting because the, <laughs> the guy who was making the documentary, he had this extraordinary example of his mother, uh, grandmother, who was uh, after World War II, uh-huh. came out to Australia. They brought her out here by the time of the 50s. You know, Italy was just fucking rubble, man. People forget that. And Southern Europe was fucked. And there was nothing. There was no jobs. It was fuck all. Um and so she'd come out here, she couldn't speak any English, and she heard that they'd um, 
bought this machine that did the laundry and she went no you haven't yeah we have when the machine arrived that day it was like a fancy new one she got a chair and she sat in front of this machine and she watched the cycle run through because to her that was an entire day of her life it was a miracle yeah she just couldn't believe this thing and now she had a whole day i'm gonna bake a cake i'll play with my grandchildren i'm gonna wow this is incredible so I never cease to be amazed by, you know, technology's ability to do this. If we could fucking get the people who are making fancy watches and snazzy calendars to figure out fucking carbon emissions, that'd be way more awesome. Um, and I kind of do lament a bit that the the smartest people in the world are getting sold this idea of invent the right app with the right marketing, with the right viruses, boom, private jet, rather than the smartest people in the world are, how can we, you know, I think, I was watching Imitation Game uh, on the telly, the Benedict Cumberbatch film. Fuck, he's yep. so good in that he's film. He's so good in that about film. One of the, and one of, the, one of the saddest, saddest, saddest stories in Western culture. Whenever anybody in this country like talks about the idea that you know uh, marriage equality isn't like a major issue. The man issue. that ended World War II was fucking gay. Now get over the motherfucker. But also it's- the guy that is responsible for many of... Because if you understand like what he like invented back then, yeah. is that kind of the... It's like origin story for so much of the technology exactly. that we have today. Precisely. And we lived in a society within our lifetimes where that guy died because of society's yeah, yeah. misconceptions about you know yeah. the person that he loved so i was yeah exactly now i was I and was, anytime they say that marriage equality doesn't matter it matters to a fucking teenage alan turing that's who it matters fucking to. Oath it does oh, i can't remember what i was talking about sorry no you were you're talking about uh, uh the the best minds in the world working oh, yeah, on yeah, things yeah. that help so i think all. about that and you look at there's this great scene where they're in the room they're in the shed out the back of the barracks and takes that hippopotamus yeah they're the smartest they're the smartest you know, cryptographers in all of the UK and they're all working together on this one project and yeah. they, in less than a you know, month, they whacked it out. They, they figured win it the out. war. They were the smartest people in the room. They got the smartest people in the room together and they won the war unfortunately, without the, dropping bombs on Unfortunately, anyone. the smartest people in the room now go to Wall Street, yeah. go work in the finance world where they can figure out how to do 400 microtransactions when I sell a stock to you. They, for, they do a microtransaction so fast where they short and long the stock as it transfers between me and you to make a tenth of a cent, but it's on a million-dollar trade, so they make... They, oh, it's fucking crazy. Or the smallest people in the room go and invent some of these things that are incredibly helpful, like this Fandangle calendar, or just fucking another stupid app that does fuck all, when the smartest people in the room, as far as I'm concerned right now, should be getting paid. Like, in my utopian world, the, there would be just gigantic financial incentives. I would make an X prize for the people that could right. come up with the best financial model to get us out of the carbon dependence. Can we not all chip in and just put, like, a prize together? Can't everyone who believes in climate change... Is this not actually the best way to... Like, you don't believe in it. You go, I well, accept that science exists. Science allows us to have things like, I don't know metallurgy or antibiotics or refrigeration, electricity, this podcast, all things that motherfucking climate change denialists have used in their lives. Of course. Proven by the very same principles that have proven this thing. So there's there's no believe or disbelieve. It's like... It's fucking science. Okay, but here's how we fix it. Osha. This is my suggestion. And <laughs> Go. You, you've half come up with it, so I'll give you credit. But this is the suggestion. Instead of putting money into like climate change research and stuff like we're doing, I feel like that everyone who believes in climate change should just, we should all donate whatever we can and come up with the biggest ass fucking prize of all time for the person who solves it. And then the fucking eggheads will get on it. 
if we have like a like you know the prize is like twelve billion dollars, right? Yeah. It's like a Kickstarter for the environment. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> like the X Prize. Virgin Galactic started with the X Prize. It was a ten ten million dollar prize for whoever could launch within two weeks the first um, you know suborbital thingo, and they did it. And and Peter Diamandis is the guy that uh, put that together. You know, if we could have that, I'm like literally you know, fucking like a few years back when Queensland was going through an extraordinary drought. The innovation that came out of that was just amazing. The water-saving innovation that came out of that. And you live in Los Angeles. You've seen... They don't give a fuck. They fucking water the... Mate, <laughs> the, the concrete. Mate, <laughs> the fucking concrete. Mate, what are you doing? In desert. It's in, we're in the middle of the desert. You no. don't have a half flush? It's only... You literally gr- don't have a half flush. No. We built the house. We, the couldn't, desert, we couldn't find a half, flush, have a half flush. We couldn't find a half flush toilet. It was bananas. The only half flush toilet we could get was some dodgy bad one that looked terrible. There was nah. Did anyway. you notice how it never rains here? <laughs> Do you, yeah, they just go to the fucking Hoover Dam. Just go there and stand there and realize the only reason you get to have a shower is because a hundred years ago some people figured out a way to build this fucking dam, put it in a pipe, and 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 pipe it a thousand sixteen hundred kilometers right. across a desert to you. You live on the sun and it never rains. <sighs> Why are you using water at all? I just I don't. And you see these. Anyway, so the innovation that came out of that was extraordinary, all right, because there was great, great pressure. I really, 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 really pray and hope to whatever is out there that we don't have to be under such duress to make the smartest people in the room suddenly want to come up with economic models that make living uh, free of carbon-emitting energy sources viable. I really hope the smartest people in the room figure out. And I saw... um, Unfortunately, his idea didn't work. A guy by the name of Shia Gassi, he came up with Better Place, which is the uh, battery swap cars. Uh-huh. All right, Unfortunately, it didn't work. Um, but he, I, I watched him at a conference once, and he says, um, there are billions of dollars to be made in saving the world. Billions of dollars to be made in saving the world. You were talking about this the other night. In, well, I was talking about it in my show, which is the idea of that if we take in Australia some of the super profits that the mining companies were making by digging up shit that was in our country when we got here, mm. like, you know, that they didn't make themselves. I know they put, you know, some value-added stuff into it, but, like, digging up something that belongs to us all and cannot be replaced, that we could have taken a small percentage of that money and put it into the renewable energies industry in a country that yeah. is hot and windy all the fucking time yeah. in the middle of it where no one is and become the Kuwait of fucking renewable yeah. energy. Uh, like- <laughs> well, we could have been. No, I'm just laughing at your, your tag on that. Anyway, let's not give it all away. Yeah, it's fucking so good. It's so good. Go see his show. It's really good. Yeah. But I in the words, look, I'm wearing, my, I'm wearing my Neil deGrasse Tyson shirt today. Um, and in the words of him, is like, do you think aliens will come here and go, why are you digging that stuff up? You have a free fusion reactor right in the sky. Why don't you use that? Every day we get enough energy from the sun to power the entire world for a year. Every fucking day. I think it's five hours of every fucking day. Enough energy comes to this planet from the giant fucking energy source. For free. That is free in the sky. It so it's like there's a there's a fucking tap with water that you can drink, but no, there's fucking nine dollar bottled water right there. So let's drink that. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So um, we haven't got to if you have a philosophy, and we're an hour in. How I don't much, mind. Uh, you know what? We're a little earlier though because you got here a little earlier. How so long have we run in my calendar? We've still got like a little bit of oh, time. Mate, I'll go. I'll go all the time you want. Okay. Well, let's pause just for a second then because my bladder is not super when I'm. <laughs> <the podcast>. So <laughs> I will have I'm a bathroom break. Fucking stop recording, Osha. Where do you know? No, oh, just when we fucking went to that 
uh, sometime in that last bit that we just did that was so fucking good. Oh, okay. So what do you want me to start again? Fucking hell. That was so good. That's okay. We had such a great moment there. It's okay. I can and do it again. the irony is that we We're professional broadcasters. No, we can do it twice. But my favorite thing about that is the irony of this conversation is the one that they did not hear started with us talking about whether I had never ever lost the episode. And then we just have, weren't, weren't recording. So just from where we came back into the room? Anyway, just when we came back into the room. From so. where we came back into the room? Yes. Oh, that's great. Then no, 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 okay. we're good. Yeah. Okay, right. so, yeah, no, well, gonna, I just said, so, let's just go back in time it. for a moment. Yeah. I've just walked back into the pod cave and <laughs> I had to pee. <laughs> we both peed. So I asked, well, not at the same time. We didn't cross no, the streams. No, but that was not, that's not part of the podcast. I asked, where's the bathroom? <laughs> Down there on the right. Yeah. And I go into the bathroom and I, I, I close the door and I start to pee and then I feel a glorious sensation upon my feet. Oh, yeah. And uh, Ramona yeah. is licking my toes yes. while I pee. And that yeah. is the first time in my life that I've peed and had my toes licked at the same time. Shut up. Is a very pleasurable well, sensation. You, you didn't drink enough. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't quite hit rock bottom. Have you ever been with someone with a foot fetish? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, I, do, I have not. I don't oh. think. Like I've had like people who have liked you know, having their feet rubbed and have like, you know, their idea of like having mm. like a, you know, good night out is like, you know, getting their feet rubbed on the couch while they watch some TV show. That no, like. no, I'm talking like but as yeah. a, as a part of the sexy times. No, I never have. Yeah. Have you? It's, yes. It's interesting. Oh, and, and okay. So how does a foot fetish manifest itself? Like, I mean, is it them wanting to like with your feet? Mm. Is it both ways? Like, are no, they- she was, she was right into okay. my feet. So yeah. it was your feet. Yeah. Okay, now, again, I'm not going to pry too much, but I am fascinated. <laughs> <laughs> this is he's better than the conversation we had. <laughs> no, we'll go back to the other stuff, because it was good. We were getting deep. No, but, um, okay, so here's what I want to ask you is, like, so does she just want to, like, kiss your toes or, like, lick them or, like, you know, or is there more, like, is there more than that to it? There's a thing called the internet that will allow you to have a large amount of research in uh-huh, this, Will, uh-huh. uh, more so than I would like to no, no, uh, and that's fair disclose at this point. Right. But I'm just going to say just in that- a, a, a general sense. It got fairly creative. Okay, all right. There you go. There you go. All right, okay. It was a long time ago. And how do you feel? Like, okay, take this out of the situation. Okay. Let's just talk more broadly. But, you know, over the years, you meet different people. You've been with different people in your life. And the thing that you notice from being with different people is that everybody is different and everybody has different ideas about yeah. what they enjoy and yeah. all those sort of yeah. things. Um, how, how are you in those situations? Are you reactive to that? Are you very, like, are you open to new ideas? Like, I mean, the, the idea that you were in a, even in a relationship with that sort of situation means it implies to me that you seem to have a reasonably open mind. Who am, I to, who am I to deny pleasure to another person? Okay. Okay? Yeah. I don't think I've... Um, it was one time. It was a bit weird. but <laughs> One time at band camp. No, no, no. <laughs> I'll tell you off air. There was one okay. time it was a bit weird, but we've all got our thing, man. Okay. We've all got our thing, which leads us to the thing that we were talking right. about before. So, what is your philosophy? My philosophy um, is that without any shadow of a doubt, the, the, the pure forces of the universe that hold us together, hold every object in this room together and allow this, you know, these pair of genes to not... Oh, Chino, sorry, um, to yeah. not meld with my skin because of the atomic bonds between them, all right? Uh-huh. The very forces that allow that to happen and the energy um, exchange that happens between uh, us, between things on an atomic level, and that 
energy pushing in one direction will create energy pushing in another direction, that energy can never disappear. We are fools to believe that does not apply to us. It's a more complicated system. It's more intricate. But most definitely, I've seen it too many times in my life, the, 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 the cranky bad stuff that I've put out has come back to me. The good stuff that I've put out just has come back to me. And I'm a firm believer in that. Say, for example... What, what do you think we are? Why do we exist? Us humans? Us humans. Um, well, you've got to look at it as a sense of... Like, I'm a big fan of the original series of Cosmos. I highly recommend it. Speaking of blokes who were into mushrooms, right. um, Sagan Is Neil was. Neil Oh no, Sagan, original. Sorry, Sagan yeah. was mad for it. Was he? Oh, Carl Sagan was a big mushrooms guy. Columbia University was a wacky time to be alive. I'm man, sure. I would have loved to be. Have involved you watched? In those the, times. Have you watched it recently? The original Cosmos. No. Fuck. Oh man, I've got to get on. That. It's mind. There's also an awesome DMT uh, documentary on Netflix that oh, I've got to get right around. Right, right, right. Because to speak to your thing, and 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 I want to ask you about this sort of stuff. But um, uh, I've spoken before on the podcast about taking DMT. DMT and how, like, as a person who does not believe that we are anything other than an accident in the corner of the universe, yeah. like, that experience, like, when you talk about energy and the idea of how we relate to other people, it is the thing that I t- took out of that and have carried with me through mm. my life. My life was changed forever for that experience. I could never be the same because what I felt in that moment about the connectedness of us as energy or human beings, whatever the fuck that was, even if that was just a drug that has a reaction with my brain that made me feel like that, that feeling that I had and how I felt like that would make things better was something that I took out of that experience and into the rest of my life. We are absolutely all one. We are tiny. So you believe that that is true? And what, what we you, are all what one. Absolutely. So how does like fucking twelve billion people be one though? What's the fucking purpose of that? Why does why does any of that make sense? Because and why do like kids? I mean, I'm not asking for why should we? No one we knows, look at but, okay. We look at you're a country man. Yeah. You look at that top paddock of sheep. You see ten fucking thousand head of sheep up there. Do you go? Oh, there's Barry and Bill and Felicity. No, that's sheep. Right. You look at whales. They're whales. You look at dogs. There's a dog just walked into the room now. Two. Two, two dogs. dogs have just walked into the room. Oh, hey, Winnie you remember that thing first. in the bathroom? Yeah. You know, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, we're just having the moment now where we're looking. No, this one. See, she's, 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 uh, she's, she's a bit shy now. Bit of jealousy. Um, With your trophy. We don't, idea. you know, we're all, we're all one, man. We are absolutely all one. And I, how we are only, you've got to remember that the only thing, this is where the Sagan thing really comes into it. The only reason that anything survived is because of a genetic trait that allowed it to survive, okay? The only reason that anything was able to succeed as a species, a live species... Come on up here, Winona. Let's get you out of that mic. There you go, sweetheart. (laughs) She really did. Now, I've uh, listened to a lot of your podcasts. Yeah. Is this the part where the dog farts? Look, look, here's the thing, probably. At some (laughs) stage. I know, they've got outside. Look at that. They heard that. She was like, I'm not going to do it in front of Osho. (laughs) She's a big fan. I told you this when she was licking... Well, when they were licking your feet, that we're like, in our family... Uh, let's, I, I want to get back to this very much so, so okay. please don't let this be a detour. But I do want to say this because it's just worth mentioning how much joy we genuinely got out of The Bachelorette. I'm we grateful. fucking love that show so much. Like, because it's a great example of something if we're talking about this idea of why do things exist, Dude. right? Like, Amy and I, every week, we would just have this night. Like, we really get to watch anything together. We really fucking like the show. We really like that girl, Sam. Like, we thought she was really nice. We had favourites. Two days before they announced the winner, 
Like, and I'm so glad it actually went how it went. It, for people that don't know, The Bachelor is a worldwide sort of fucking yeah, yeah. phenomenon. So I'm sure it's in a lot knows. of countries. Yeah, but the girl who was so I didn't see the previous one, but the girl who was the Bachelorette, she was on like the previous season of The Bachelor. That's correct. Right? And what happened? Did she win? And then he, but he chose someone else. He or proposed to her. It was, I was there. He proposed to her in Africa, down on one knee. There were lions. It was frightening uh, because the lions were right there. Right. And um, a couple of weeks later, um, he had a, a moment of clarity, a change of heart, and he uh, cut it off and he started a relationship with another one of the ladies that he'd been on the show. Right. And they are now happy and they're which, together. Yeah, yeah. And, which, and by we've the way, all done shit like that. He just happened to do it. They just happened to do it on television. But also, by the way, like you're in a situation where by the end, you, I mean, and maybe, oh, I mean, of course you have a better insight into this than me, but from the outside, even with knowing what TV is and all those sort of things, you do get the feeling that by the last few that it's kind of a genuine choice. Oh, like, yeah, they absolutely fall in love, There's mate. a few people there that you're like, you know... I could easily see my life, and we're all guessing when we choose someone, yeah. of like, you know, going, well, I like this person, but I'm guessing what the rest of my life would be like if I choose yeah. this path. And I could quite as easily, you know, I also like this other person, mm. and I may not like them perhaps as much instinctively right yeah. now as I like this person, but if I look at my life forward with this other person, I think, well, maybe that's a better... Absolutely. Like, I mean, that's a genuine choice. But then choice, you end up right? alone. <laughs> you <laughs> never make that call. <laughs> but exactly what you were saying about Wednesday nights on the couch with Amy... That is the very reason I love doing the show. Right. And that is the very reason. I mean, like I told you at the start of this, I love the big, shiny, 10 cameras, helicopter shots, fucking fireworks. Man, I love that stuff. But that I get to be on a show that brings people together, that lets complete strangers have conversations about a topic that they're both emotionally invested in, it brings me so much joy. So you're genuinely into that. Now, love it. Love it. No bullshit, no PR. Not at all. You, 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 and, 100%. And how much of it do you, like when that show's happening, how much of it are you involved in? Are you genuinely kind of keeping up to date with, because obviously we're seeing an edited version that's put together to, yeah. to tell a story, but you're, yeah. how much of it do you see? How much do you know about like the oh, idea I never go. That, like, I, don't, I don't go on the single dates ever. I'm only ever on the group dates okay. sometimes and then I'm in the cocktail parties and I, I watch how it all goes on. I, I sit down and watch the cameras and it's very, it's fascinating. And do people know, like, is there a sense early on? Like, did you kind of go, like, do you get early on? Because, like, the minute that she met Sasha, like, on that show. Oh, and this is the story. I called Michael. I called Michael from the start. Nah, his face is, like, his mouth's too far down his face. I called I, uh- Michael from the start. <laughs> but anyway, to, just to go back to, like, why are we what we are, um, the only reason that anything survived is because it had a genetic trait that allowed it to survive yeah, more than sure. its parents, all right? And for some reason, the feeling of contentment is one of the things that has driven us as a species, all right? We're feeling hungry. We feel discontent. We'll go and eat some nuts and berries and something. Oh, I feel better now. Oh, this is good. And, and this, the, the, that feeling, we're chasing that feeling of, 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 of satience, of being content, of being, you know, sharing something together. So, you know, for example, these beautiful chairs that we're sitting on, these beautiful hard rubbish leather Chesterfield chairs that we're sitting on, they're opulent considering the job they've got to do. Absolutely. All right? But they're completely designed for our comfort and, like, the chasing of contentment, I believe, is what – now, some people – and I only, I only kind of really got de- de- deep into this the other day with a fascinating Japanese guy by the name of Eiji Hanshimis who was uh, came out to Amsterdam 
uh, the business school I, I worked at, I worked at, and um, he and I did a, a really fascinating forum together, and we talked about happiness and the nature of happiness. And he did a, a quest, it went six years around the world, searching for what creates true happiness and lasting happiness. Um, not momentary happiness. Momentary happiness, like I've moved back to Bondi, so I see guys hooning up the street in Lamborghinis. And I'm like, okay, that's a Lamborghini, but at the end of the day, it's just a fucking car. Right, but um, even to extend that idea further, like a drink was momentary happiness to you momentary at one happiness. stage. Like, oh, but yeah. it wasn't solving uh, It wasn't happening. It hadn't been happiness for a long time. Right. <laughs> a long I mean, fucking time. But eventually, like, but even when you say mo- mo- momentary yeah. happiness, what you mean is in some ways momentary contentment. Momentary contentment. there's a difference That's between right. momentary contentment, which makes the voices yeah. go away for that moment, yeah. but something that is good for you long term. But the contentment that is sold to us as the contentment that is uh, the, the, that drives the materialist consumer culture, all right? You're not happy, are you? Better get a new drill. And then you go, fuck yeah. Like the, the, class, the example I use all the time is hedonistic habituation, um, which is I've just got this, you know, I've just moved house and I've moved country, so I've got nothing. So we had to go and buy everything. So right. I just bought this 55-inch off Kogan. It's great. You can get it for like a quarter of the price or anywhere else. It's fucking uh-huh. awesome. It's got this fucking great TV. This sponsor, this uh, podcast brought to you by Kogan. <laughs> I wish. if He's he's a great entrepreneur. It's fascinating Australian. It's on the other side. Um, <laughs> if people at home are wondering, it's just... Osher Victor Frankel wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. I'm going to write this Will Search for Beers. <laughs> I always put it on a different side and confuse myself. <laughs> That's the key. Keep and your, these opulent armchairs are no good for me squatting keep, my beer. Keep your shirt. No, 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 no cup holders. Maybe that's DIY for a week. You know what? That's actually what I need. I cup need some holder. cup holders. Cup holders. Send them in if now. If people would donate to the uh, Patreon page, yeah, I can get cup holders. Cup holders for Will. Uh, uh, but um, uh, what was it? Oh, fuck. Where was I? Oh, I can't remember now. What are we talking about? Too much distraction. Too much distraction. Me getting in the way. I don't know what we were talking. Where my it was good was. too. It was good too. Uh, well, I, I was really just asking you the question, why do you, why do you think we're here? And what oh, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, EG, he, he traveled around the world. And that the, the, the momentary happiness, the big TV, okay? So, I buy the big television. My God, look at my television. Right. 4K resolution. It's amazing. It's got YouTube on it. That's great. Next week. Yeah, yeah. The TV's good. Hmm. I like the picture. Yeah. Next week. Honey, did you record Biggest Loser? I didn't. Week after. Fuck, there's nothing on TV. Right. All right? So within a month, we've gone from, I'm so fucking happy because I've got this TV, to there's nothing on TV. Right. That's not happiness, man. That is not happiness. Okay? And But we're sold this by our society, our consumer, materialist, capitalist society right. has pushed this idea that you can only get happiness by buying shit. Right. But it is a momentary, fleeting thing. Look at landfills. They're full of stuff that should have made people happy, but it didn't. Secret Santa, mate. The Se- only- it's the Secret Santa thing. Like, Secret Santa is a, it, the, the ultimate example of our consumerism. Basically, we invented a thing that no one likes, where you get crap that no one ever uses, and it just gets consumed, and it's used in landfill, and it does not make the world better in any no, fucking way. But the only thing that creates lasting happiness, this is what EG found. He went around the world and he found it. The only thing that creates lasting happiness is compassion uh-huh. and helping others. And that gives you this feeling of contentment, this feeling that, in my opinion, drove us as a species to seek out shelter, to seek out warmth, to seek out community, to seek out food, um, to seek out ways of just talking to each other. Um, Contentment, pure lasting contentment, only comes from helping other people. Okay, so how are you doing that then? I am in this situation now where I... 
I think about providing for the, like the switch flicked in my head about my girlfriend and her kid. Okay. For one moment, she was my girlfriend and her kid, and I was in love with my girlfriend. And yeah, it was fun. Kids fun. Kids to hang out with. Right. And the blink of an eye, it went to, oh my God, I must protect and provide for and care for and nurture and be with and be for, be there for this kid and give her the chance. This paternal thing just exploded in my brain. And I get so much joy and happiness of, of, being of service to these two ladies it's just it's wonderful it's bloody wonderful i fucking love taking out the rubbish i love having a pillow fight with the kid when i'd rather be doing when i should be doing something else i love help you know i love doing the dishes i love it i love being of service did you think her. that that was going to be like i mean because you had been in other relationships yeah. as you mentioned like did you think that was going to be a part of your life did you actually think oh, yeah. you were a person who was going to be a father absolutely yeah okay yeah, yeah. of course that's why i got married in the first yeah. place okay so you thought yeah. that that was something yeah. and, and what is it that you think that you can because that's the hard thing then is like not only do you have to work out your own fucking life but now that you have to be in a position to constantly be guiding and offering advice to somebody else who's trying to work out their life which is not going to be the same as your life mm. like what when you're in a I mean you know not a new relationship but when you're like new in that position where you're like I would love to be a a guiding force in some way in this person's life how do you choose those moments how do you instinctively I mean I don't again I'm still learning mate I'm I'm still really learning I'm still really like I'm I'm brand new to this like I've had but do you look to other people for advice is there people you can talk to or is it just instinctive yeah 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 I I ask everybody like I told you before I don't have the answers I know for a fact I don't have the answers you ask me why I read I read because thankfully I'm not the first person to have gone through this. Right. Any of it. Someone's written a book about every single thing that I have a problem with. Yeah. And that person is smarter than me. <laughs> and they've probably got an idea. But here's the thing. Right. I can read that person's point of view yeah. and I can read another person's point of view and then I can meld the bits of that that work for me together and, and, and then find my own discoveries based on that and iterate and then create something based upon that base information. And that is, is, is a glorious thing. Okay, that's interesting to me, though, because the thing I would say about that is that some people don't have the capacity to pick and choose. Like, I'm a big pick and chooser, you know, like, I, I, I've been influenced by a bunch of things from, like, you know, like, religious texts to modern day music to lyrics I've heard in a fucking rap song or whatever. There's mm. various things that I feed through my brain and they all come out into who I am. Um, some people replace it just with one. What do you think about that? Like, you know, some people will just go, well, I'm this now. And so I you know, obey these new rules and these sort of things versus the idea of the capacity to look at a whole bunch of different ideas and pick and choose. There's a simplicity to life when you do that, you know, and I get it. Right. It's like if I just sign up to this, then I can outsource yeah. that yeah. sort of... Decisions are made for me. Yeah. I get it. You know, I get why people want to want to live under incredibly strict... Um, traditional uh, um, religious ways of life. Because at least you know what's going on. Fuck yeah. Right, it's all set out. Strict. Set out for yeah. you. you know, it's Fight Club. First rule of Fight about, Club, don't know. talk about fucking Fight Club. You don't have to worry about anything. Right. I get it. I get yeah. it. I, get, I totally get it. Yeah. I get why it's easier to align yourself with uh, a, 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 a particularly, you know, coloured, coloured, uh, uh, biased way, well, no, no, um, focused way of thinking. Whether that be in the states, for example, with Republican or Democrat, or here with Liberal or Labor or Green, but it's not how the world works. 
the world is a million shades. Like where it's late, it's coming into towards the end of the day, and we're going from bright daylight to nighttime. It doesn't go dark straight away. It 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 everything just there's gradual variance of everything, of everything. Of of you're never really awake, you're never really asleep. You know, there's those, there's there's weird moments between the two. Okay, you you you're full or you're hungry. There's 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 straight and gay. You know, and you've talked about this a lot. And I steal your line all the time. I'm a mostly heterosexual man. Right. I always give you credit. I steal your line <laughs> every single time. I talk about I'm mostly heterosexual. You know, but it's you know I, I like the bits that make me masculine, but I also love Downton Abbey. So fucking get over it. Right. That's it. It's fine. Yeah. I, I appreciate the the feminine side of my sexuality. I'm not aroused by it. Uh, which is, you know, uh, is, is one thing. But, yeah, absolutely. I, I love Broadway. Love it. Right. You know? <laughs> I can dig it. I like that part of me because it allows me to be who I am. And I've really got to give you something. The yeah. other night I, I saw your political show um, and one thing that and, – and we were – I couldn't have been – you know, okay, so we're in the, the inner, inner east – uh, it's yeah, Redfern. Redfern, Redfern in Sydney. You Very couldn't get more socialist workers' party, fucking communist lefty, fucking the chaser theater, the chaser theater, and there's yeah. some old trades hall or something where you yeah. know some union meeting was held. And oh the, mate, and I'm you know, doing a fucking mostly improvised political rant. Yeah, <laughs> and in the middle of it, you absolutely you brought up two. One was a great punchline, but in one of them, and I won't say it, but you. You say, no, absolutely. Tony Abbott was really fucking right to do this. And good on him. You're very, very clear about pointing out the positives to the people that it'd be otherwise so easy to despise, you know, if you stood in a certain political part of the of the world. Sure. All right? And that is confronting to people who are polarized in their thinking, left or right. And I'm, you know, I fucking lean on the left, but there's some things I'm like, you know, I'll say to... I mean, I I like to think, and of course, other people see it from their own perspectives and often do, um, but I like to think that I call it how I see it. Mm. Like, so on every issue, I try to think, what do I think? And then the only thing I can really express to people, because I always think at the end of the day, like if we're talking about what is our role in, like if humanity is an ongoing thing, and that, you know, that you and I are probably going to be, like, barely fucking footnotes in the tiniest part of history. Like, I mean, fucking nothing. Like a speck on this planet. No. So what do I have to offer this planet? Is that idea that you're trying to at least move it forward in a general sense. Yeah. And so I try to, like, look at things of going, how do we move this place forward? Or, like, you know, how can we move forward in a way that will be productive for us? And I try to call it as I see it. Mm. And that idea of labels of left and right or that people think that you should be labor or liberal or whatever, just like you've signed up and then you agree with everything. Mm. Well, people get mad at me when I criticize things the Labor Party's done because they think I'm a fucking lefty. Well, you know they invented I mean? mandatory detention. Mate, they invented it. The worst stain on <laughs> people this People fucking forget that all the time. The worst stain on this country in what hopefully will be my lifetime. I hope it'll be the worst stain yeah. that this country has. Something that they will apologize in for yeah. Parliament. We'll have another Parliament. sorry day. <laughs> we'll have another sorry day. We will, for what we're doing right fucking now yeah. that we're living through. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. anyway, like, we'll, we'll get away from that. But um, I just want to ask a, answer a question you asked me about yes. parenting. I've got no fucking idea. Okay. All right? None at all. Okay? And if I was a new parent, which I consider myself, my parenting skills are 12 months old. Right. Because that's about, it was about November when 
because when you're dating a woman with a kid, it's a little while before you meet the kid, and that's right. totally fair. I mean, from, their, from their point of view, Absolutely. that's a big offer. For yeah, it's them. a big deal to bring yeah. the boy home. So I'm about a year in, okay? So I've got a one-year-old parenting ability with an 11-year-old kid. Yeah. So when we're driving, you asked about earlier, how do you see the world? Uh, you choose, We talked about seeing the world, choosing to see the world. I was a fucking cunt road rager. Okay. I used to be in in not to people. I wouldn't shout at people, but I right. would scream and yell and get so agitated. I'd yeah. never roll my window down and yell at somebody, but I would get so fucked off. And then I, you know, a few years later in my life, I come to myself now, and then I came up with this line of when someone cuts me off or someone's you know performs erratically in front of me or changes lanes without a blinker, I'm like, you know what? I bet they're good at other stuff. I bet they're really good at cupcakes. Driving's not their thing. That's fine. But I get. I bet they're really good to their mum. Or, or you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's a you know a pertinent reason for why they are driving this way. Maybe they're late to the job interview that's going to change their life. All right. And I say that out loud. The other day, uh, Audrey's in the car, and the kids in the passenger seat, and someone cuts her off, and Audrey reacts as Audrey reacts. And then Georgia says, but they might be, you know, we don't know what they're doing. They might be late for, you know, picking up their mum from the hospital or something. And Audrey told me that. And I was like, fuck, there it is. Uh-huh. So I don't, you asked about offering advice. That doesn't work. She doesn't want to hear what I have to say. All I can do is behave like every single thing that she sees me do, she will copy. Right. And that is far more terrifying than Absolutely. thinking of the right moment. Right. And so I try as hard as I can to constantly be affectionate and respectful to her mum and treat her mum and as an intelligent, beautiful, smart, funny woman that she is and respect her for that and treat her for that and just as much as I can show her, give her at least a, a, a reference point to relationships so that if a boy comes along and doesn't treat her this way, she goes, that's not how it should work. And I'm worth more than that. So, no thanks. Uh, tell me about your attitude to women. And, like, because there's something implicit in what you've just told me, which is like that you want her to believe and know that, you know, she's going into a world where she should demand and deserve to be treated as an equal. Um, when did that come to you? Have you always been aware of that? Was it something that Unfortunately, come- I had to learn it. I'm one of four boys. I went to an all-boys school. All my mates were guys. Yep. I didn't know how to talk to girls at all. And so many myths about girls, I, I imagine, as no well. I had no idea of what... How, no, none at all. None at all. And I, I must have heard a lot of people's feelings. And Well, I mean, again, like you'd be the, the most arrogant thing to say is that you'd never had. Because, oh, of course, everybody has. Oh, fuck no. So, it, 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 it's only in the last, you know... As, as you know, more clarity has come into my life in the last six years. Uh, I think it was actually, it was, it was really started to kick in around um, when I saw, uh, when I first started in radio, actually. And I saw my girlfriend at the time get passed over for gigs that she was more than qualified for, but happened to have a vagina. Uh-huh. So I was like, that's not okay. And you were aware of that? You could yeah. see that? Yeah, you would be like, so. oh, this is yeah. clearly, you know, biased yeah. against women. Yeah, yeah. And then the more I think about it, the more that I see how our, um, you know, I just want to high-five the fuck out of the Canadian Prime Minister. 
uh, you Justin know, Trudeau. When he filled his he filled his cabinet, you look and there's you know, um, not that many white guys, and it's you know it's people. You go to Canada, you walk down the street in Canada, and there's you know. It's you know it's like here. It's a multicultural nation. Very multicultural. There's plenty of uh, indigenous people. There's plenty of there's large Asian sub Asian community, large Indian community. Uh, you know, there's people from everywhere. And there in his parliament is people that reflect that. And fucking women. And it just it, to, to the idea that our society is just okay with half of the population. It's okay to get, no, we don't have to worry about hiring her or we don't have to make too much of a fuss about how much we pay her. Oh, her boyfriend killed her. Oh, that's a pity. You know, it's f- again, we talked about suicide earlier. If terrorism had caused the amount of deaths that uh, domestic violence has caused women in this country, we'd be rolling out the fucking army. It'd be, Townsville would be empty. The tanks would be rolling down the Bruce Highway. It'd be on. Mate, it's Annabelle Crabb, who was a recent guest on this podcast. Check out that episode if you haven't. Uh, but she said, not in the podcast, but she has said, uh, I think it was in her column, and I think it's the greatest line on it. She's like, if if sharks killed the same amount of people as like men killed their domestic partners, we would drain the fucking ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? like, She's absolutely right. Right? She's absolutely right. It's It's crazy, but it seems to me, I'm 41 years old, and I feel like I'm really only get this in the last 10 years, you know? And I think that's even amazing in itself that I myself have grown up in a world where that wasn't... And the representation in Australia, I mean, we have more women who graduate university because here's the, here's the way I think about it. And again, I always hesitate to fucking mansplain this shit to fucking white guys talking about feminism. But like the thing that occurs to me is that you believe either that women are as capable of leading the country and i mean if they're graduating university let's just take that as a kind of standard of yeah people have had have an opportunity like if the, the the great debate you can never get into with race and stuff is yes of course everybody could be it'd be great if everyone was treated equal but not everyone's starting from the same point right mm. so let's just say graduating university let's just take that as a everyone's vaguely at the same starting point mm. right so more women are graduating university than men then how in between that happening and women running major businesses and women running this country do we have such a massive fucking disparity and drop-off between the most educated people coming out being women? If you honestly believe that women are as capable to run the country, then it's always got to be at least 50-50 or you don't honestly believe that is true. I would would say, and I would defer to Nakia Louie. I would defer defer to Nakia Louie on this one and she should sit in this chair. She's extraordinary. Extraordinary woman. Uh, she's who, a, who is this? Nikia Louis. She's a um, Aboriginal uh, tourist. She's a Torres Strait Islander um, uh-huh. uh, actress, playwright. She's a, a playwright in residence at the uh, uh, what's that fancy one in Surrey Hills on the Belvoir uh, Street. Belvoir Street. Um, and she's also one of the writers and performers on Black Comedy. Oh, okay, and, brilliant show. Yeah, yeah, okay. Ex- exceptional. That's her. Yeah. All right, and she wrote this. She, she did a fantastic speech. They published it on Junkie.com, and. I think it applies here just as much as it applies to... She was specifically addressing the Adam Goods booing issue, Uh which there isn't a thick enough blanket that I can hide under to make me feel okay about what has been happening around that man. I I want to cry. I want to cry right now. My heart breaks so much. It's the worst. I hate it. 
I hate it. I hate that this country, like this sport that I love, by the way, and that I, and as I talk about in the show, a sport that should be proud of the fact that it is one of the only employment opportunities in our entire country where an indigenous person could be expected to be the number one at that job and in the top bracket of people being paid. Absolutely. It should be something that makes the game very fucking proud and that we let one of our all-time fucking heroes be bullied out of the game and have to leave the game in that where he couldn't do a lap of fucking honour on grand final day and be cheered by everyone for the great fucking champion that he is. It it saddens me so fucking much yeah. what happened. Yeah. So her thing, which I believe applies very much to what you're saying, is that it's not racism that we need to look into and it's not uh, the, uh, you know, what's the word, women's rights, rights of women or, or uh, moving forward with feminism or equality that we need to look into. It's white male privilege. Right. All right. Here we are. You mentioned it. We're, we, we got the fucking trifecta. We're white. Male, middle class, four, straight. Right. White, male, middle class, straight, and in the safest country, beautiful country on earth. All right. right. So as far as, and as Literally long as- Literally the genetic lottery. Absolutely. We're ding, 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 ding. We're king of the yeah. Nile, queen of the Nile. We're fucking pokey man. We're just, we're on. All right. So- Mate, I'm a fucking farm kid. My granddad's, the, the road's named after my granddad. My yeah. father lives on that road for 73 years. Yeah. My brother is a farmer on that fucking farm. Yeah. And I'm sitting in fucking leather armchairs that someone threw away on my street. Yeah. Like, my, you know, like I've had nothing but great luck in my yeah. life. And But when the system is designed by, policed by, right. enforced by, and rigged for, to the benefit of white male people everyone that isn't is fucked doesn't mean you didn't work hard it just means that other people have to work yeah, harder I'm, I'm, and I'm, it doesn't yeah. mean that you have to give up what you have it just means to, that you have to acknowledge yeah. and again I'm embarrassed that it's taken me this long to be this proactive about it because this idea that it was my responsibility not just to acknowledge it, to not just be a good guy who was like, no, I'm a feminist and I agree that we should have more women, but to actually go, oh, hang on, no, 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 no. If I honestly believe this, it's my responsibility to make a space for... So, for example, in this podcast, and again, I mention this a lot and I'm not looking for a fucking pat on the back. I'm embarrassed that it's taken me so long to realize this. Uh... I try to have a 50-50 representation mm. of... Because this is a podcast where I'm asking people, what do you think about the I try world? to do the same thing. I try to get... And I actually, I've, the last week I called up and said, I'm having a bit of a sausage party over here. Do you know anybody that could come on the show? Right. I, 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 I'm hunting. And, and, and so I have a responsibility. But in my other podcast, Tofop and Fofop, they're still completely male-dominated. Mm. So this is a small dent in a bigger ocean, you know, a dent in an ocean. That's a terrible mix... Uh, analogy, but um, we've already drained the ocean. If yeah, know. we've drained the ocean already. <laughs> okay, uh, we've, uh, I, I could talk to you all fucking day, and you, uh, this is brilliant. But I want to talk to you about your podcast, which I've done, okay. which I yeah. love, and I think is. For anyone who listens to this podcast and they're like, you fucking talk too much and you slur, please don't drink when you do it. And all the <laughs> feedback that I get, you know, firstly, fuck you. And the other feedback, which is, stop telling us to fuck ourselves. And I'm like, no, fuck you. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I always say to people that your your podcast is a better version of this podcast. Oh, I, you're no, such but, a gem. But Thank I love you. it. I think it's so brilliant. And it's such a side of you that I, I think that people weren't aware of. And- what 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 made you? I want to I want to know about the podcast. What made you want to do it? Why did you think this was something that you would would want to do? That you would be good at doing? What what were you? What were your aims and ambitions when you started? I was 
Well, firstly, uh, living in Los Angeles in 2009, 2010, 2011, I, was, I got a front row seat to podcasts exploding right. as, a, as, a, as a medium. Yeah, All it was right? amazing. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. And suddenly- I mean, I was around- Yeah. You know, I was- You were there as well. Like, vaguely there around that time and yeah, I saw it happen. Suddenly, the stuff that Kevin Smith was doing, the stuff that Jay Moore was doing- right. And of course, Mark Maron. Mark Maron. The stuff that Maron He's done this doing. podcast. Oh, I know. I can't even believe- <laughs> I cannot believe that I'm- in. Did you go see him? Uh, yes, yes. We went to the show. Amy and I both went to the show. Yeah, oh, we had a great time. I love Mark Maron. I'm a big fan. So good. Yeah. He was so good. And he was so- he was so constantly. He was like a, a, a like a like a zoom lens. All right. He was so all the way out and going. Yeah, it's been about eighty seven minutes. Mm, so it's about the point where some of you have had enough. All right, I'll do some dick jokes and then we'll get to the end. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And like, and and, and then he was going. Oh, Marin's doing this again. He puts on the voice and then just the way that he was taking us. You can only get that from doing a gajillion gigs, right? There's no way you can, I could get up and do that. Like, I mean, the, the, fuck, he was good. I mean, there is that like brilliant layers to people who, yeah. and it's something that I think, like you know, I really enjoy in work when I see it in other people, yeah. and I hope to like hope to infuse some of those layers in yourself where there's a couple of different things going on. Yeah, you're doing you know, it the other night. And that idea of like having that perspective. It was like you were saying earlier, that perspective of being able to step outside yourself mm. and, and acknowledge that not only the yeah. moment that you're in, because as a comedian, the most important thing of all is to be in the moment. But I always say that you're in trouble when you're thinking about something else, but that's not 100% technically true. 99% of the time, the minute you think of something else and you're not in that moment, you're in trouble on stage. <laughs> like it's about being in the moment. Yeah. But sometimes you're in such a moment that you can go through the other side and you can be both in the moment and observing yourself in the moment and being able to comment, like be in the moment fully, but also be able to externally comment on the mm. moment that you're in. And that's that's the sweet stuff. And Marin had a lot of that stuff. He sure did. He sh- yeah. And I felt time kind of flew. Stood still. Time became this liquid thing. And Except for the Q&A. Uh, where Amy said, if one per- more person asks a question, we're going to leave. <laughs> yeah, it went on a bit. Um, so why did I start that the podcast? Uh, I was, I'd, I'd just gotten Bachelor. I I had, I've been thinking about, I wanted to start a podcast. I'd, I'd recorded one or two. I tried recording one or two and it didn't quite work out. I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. Um, Always loved radio. I started radio in 1994. Um, I've just loved radio, loved it, and I heard- What is it about radio that you enjoy? Um, well, particularly the thing about podcasts is it's, in my experience, in my experience as a listener, it's, there's, I have not experienced a more intimate form of broadcasting. Right. I'm using this device that's in my possession 16 hours of my day that I'm constantly holding in my hand that is mine. And all of my friends are in this device and my connection to the world is in this device and I plug some headphones in and there's that show just for me. My PD, Program Director uh, at B105, Rex Morris, used to say, yes, we broadcast to have many hundred thousand people, but you only do them one at a time. Don't ever speak to them as a group. You're speaking to one person alone in their car at a well, time, and that's it. Weirdly enough, at radio stations, those people are called, like a lot of the time, people are called content directors, but they should actually be called content directors because it actually goes to the point that you were making earlier like 
I, when I was touring America, uh, my cab driver was asking me about this today. He goes, are you alone a lot? And I said, yeah. I mean, mostly I go to a place for a week and I'm by myself. And he's like, oh, do you get really lonely? And I hadn't, I mean, I never really think about it because I've done this all my life and I've adapted mm. to the idea that I'm on my own most of the time. But what I really realized, if I'm going to be honest about it, is that I could not have done it without... Mark Marin, and I could not have done it without you, and I could not have done it without Steel Saunders or some the guys from Something Wonky or you know any of these other various podcasts that have been my companions as I walked around Washington or Denver or fucking mm. wherever and needed some connection. And I love some Tuesdays. I love Tuesdays with my... Greg Proops. I love it. I listen to Greg Proops every Tuesday. It makes my fucking day. I I gotta get excited. Right. I get excited. So, and that adds to your content. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And and so. I thought, I'll, and here's how I did it. Uh, the same voice that told me, you should send in a video to, uh, to Channel V. The same voice that told me, just write a letter to the radio station. The same voice said, just fucking go ask Scott Dooley to come and be on the podcast. Hey, I was at a comedy club and I was there with my friend Luke Heggie and we just watched Dooley do five minutes. I said, hey, you doing all right? So yeah, man. Look, I'm, I was just starting up a podcast. Um, just come over to my house in Bondi. He goes, yeah, man, I'd love to do that. Well, how's next Thursday? Yeah, great. Went home, bought a sound card, bought the microphones. But I didn't have any of this shit. Right. Figured out how to use GarageBand, you know, between then. I haven't yet. And <laughs> between then and when- episodes in. <laughs> yeah, between then and when Dills arrived. So- yeah. And I think that is, uh, you asked about philosophy. I think that is this, uh, a very, very, very important part of my career is just fucking start. Just do just the start. thing that makes it start. You'll figure everything out. Like right. if I'd gone, I can't start a podcast until I've got microphones, I'd still be fucking sitting around, you know, watching cat videos. If you wait until you're ready, you'll never start. Never be ready. Because uh, you're never going to be ready. Never. So just, because I just, if you think you're ready, yeah. you're not. You're not. So because I just, you're not. You're never I just, ready. I just asked Dules, come on my show. He said, <laughs> the show that he didn't know didn't exist. Yeah. I said, come on, my show. He said, all right. Went and bought all the stuff, figured out how to work it, wrote down some questions, interviewed him. Uh, and then, you know, f- over the next month, figured out, I, I kept inviting people over. I had 14 episodes in the in the can before I rolled because I knew that my schedule might, you know, oh, okay. move That's and change. Yeah. I, Why did you have so many in the can? Because I knew that I was traveling and I was but going back to- did you have an idea that you were going to release them like a week at a time? Did yes. you already know there yes. was going to be a schedule and yes. stuff? Yes, every Monday. Yeah. And I just You're thought- You're mocking my listeners who get this whenever the fuck I can be bothered. There was some- <laughs> there, was, there was always going to be some weeks where I'd be traveling, some weeks where I wouldn't get a guest and I didn't want to start unless I had, you know, a yeah. couple, at least a month uh-huh. of, of, of runway. Um. And so, yeah, and on the September the 14th, 2013, I hit go. And I'd always been in, in radio. You know how it is. You're like, oh, there's what I would love to do and then there's what the job requires me to do. And somewhere just a little bit to my side of that line is what they get, okay? But with podcasting, you're like, I'm just going to do exactly what I want to do. And this is, in my opinion, the most authentic broadcasting i've ever 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 done and it has like we talked about this before i don't get paid for it it costs me money if anything but the value it has brought the rest of my life the rest of my work is in immense immense all right how much better it's made me at everything i do on television how much better it's made me at connecting with people um i think marin talks about it in that he um 
He says, if I can get 10, maybe 15 minutes of real connection with someone in an hour and a half, that's a good show. Right. And, you know, it's- Because you can do a year of commercial radio and never get a fucking connection. With can't someone. do it. Um, like the if, real stuff. If you're lucky. Yeah. If you're lucky, you can. Yeah. But I mean, I, I mean, totally you can. And some people do it every fucking day. Like, Husey and Kate this afternoon, I was in the cab on the way home where my cab driver was un- unnecessarily and unusually interested in where Jackie O lived. Uh, there's an Australian... Uh, um, not don't, the- you, don't you know what Uber is? You should take Ubers, man. You know what? After my show on Thursday night that you came to, it was pissing down rain and I booked an Uber to pick me up and like 15 minutes I stood in the rain and then it had said that he picked me up and they ended up charging me like eight bucks. Did you email him? Well, Uber right back within five hours. They're amazing. But that involves me then having to do another thing. So instead I just got a cab. Well, and went stop. And now I can never use Uber again. (laughs) No, that's bullshit. I've, I, I got, I, I think I've taken, I've probably, I don't know, taken 300 Ubers in my life. Yeah. Two have been terrible. But my cab driver was unusually interested in where Jackie O lived. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, yeah, and he wanted, he, he wanted to see if you, if he was an Uber driver, you would have his phone number and you would be able to email Uber and go, it was exactly this guy yeah. with this face in this car. You should watch out for that. Yeah, fucker. yeah tell Jackie O, <laughs> give her security guards. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I was listening, to, but we all, he was listening to his in Kate because they're on the same uh, the network that so uh, Jackie O and Kyle are yeah, on, yeah. which again was like, are you going to kill Jackie O? But <laughs> anyway, he they their opening break, like Kate said something really excitedly and then Husey had a go at her for how excited she was. And then what was obviously meant to be like, if you know radio, a 30 second, if maximum yeah. opening bit ended up becoming this like fucking six minute thing where they took calls and an argument about whether he'd been unnecessarily mean to her. about, And it was real. They create so that good. shit every day. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. there are people who break through that stuff and are real from the get go every fucking yeah, moment. Yeah, but that's, but that's 13 years though. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, but it's rare, and when it works, it works. Three hours a day, thirteen years in. Uh, what have you learned the most from doing your podcast? We're going to finish up in a minute because you know. I, what have I learned the most? What is have you, what have you learned? And I know you will you will definitely know what this is. Uh, and don't finish before I tell you something. Okay, there's something I have to tell you before okay. we finish. Um, what I've learned the most is that the more that there is no more time to be inauthentic. There is only authenticity. As we move forward in this age of everything being in everybody's pockets and everybody knows where everybody is and authenticity is the only, only path for me, okay? I was thinking this the other day, weirdly enough, like about the idea of, the, you know, all our metadata is being collected now. Oh, so far. And so there's two choices. Well, there's actually three choices. See that chopper? They know that we're in a room together. Yeah. It's fucking, it's on. No, but like but everything now. And yeah. like your Fitbit and your phone and your fucking yeah. Apple Watch yeah. and whatever. Everybody knows everything that you're doing every, all yeah. the time. So either you can become somebody who goes off the grid and hides from everybody or you have to own your choices more publicly from yeah. now on. And that's mm. what authenticity is. It's Absolutely. basically you saying, this is actually who I am and I'm going to be proud of that rather than pretending to be somebody and else. And I guess, you know, the other thing about, and just one day I just, you know, obviously I'd heard Marin do it and I thought, well, I feel less alone when I hear Marin talk about how difficult this day was. I hope that I can make someone else feel that way. Right. And so I started... You know, I'd learned very much the value of sharing with another how, you know, what was going on and just speaking it out loud to diffuse it. And I can't, I get, I get emails just every single day from people just saying, look, 
you know, I, you know, and certainly because no one fucking talks about people think having something being born with a different brain and having a certain thing that can be diagnosed and being called a mental illness is, um, which feels weird to talk about because my meds are really good right now and I'm really looking after myself and I feel pretty fucking normal. Right. So it's weird to talk about that, like, you know, because I feel pretty great right now. But there was a time when I was really sick. Right. I was really fucking sick. And, you know, to, to talk about it and go, yeah, so, you know, this is happening today. And, you know, I had to ask my girlfriend, did that person really? And she said, no. And I, was, you know, I just didn't know. Just to even talk about the little shit like that, the people that write back and just go, I never, you know, people have talked to me, people emailed me to say that they've gone to get help. People have emailed me to say that, you know, they've actively sought out help. I mean, how do you show. deal with that? I asked Mark about this when he was on the podcast and because it, it's something that I understand and I bet, I know. And without you even saying that, I could have predicted that was the case yeah. because I know from the emails and feedback I get, people share with me some of the most... And I don't invite it. It's not like I say, hey, give us a call and share this stuff. And I'm not even really like sharing the stuff that you were sharing, you know, on the podcast. But people, for whatever reason, feel a connection and they will like write me these incredibly intimate things about their lives. Yeah, I read some harrowing shit. I'm sure you do too. How do you even process that? Like that. I I keep it real short. Yeah. Because boundaries are really important to me now. And I I was really, I had a problem with boundaries for a while there. Okay. Um, uh, I keep it real short. I say, Obviously, obviously, it looks like that's a. I'm really sorry to read this. It looks like you're going through a very difficult time. Um, did Did you know that in your area you can probably access these services and um, maybe look out for the Smith family or the Salvos? They might be able to help you with this. Yeah, here's some ways that um, someone more here's qualified where you than can, me you can, can take you. action. I'm just I'm just a guy that counts roses. I can't help you with this. Yeah. Um, but I know it sucks. You know, just to acknowledge that, yes, it fucking sucks, but I'm the wrong guy. Yeah. But technically, and, like, do you really have to count the roses? I mean, I'm sure there's a producer who hands you the appropriate mate, amount of roses. Mate, by the right? time we shoot that, it's... <laughs> by the time we shoot that, it's fucking three in the morning. I'm not even kidding. It's three in the morning. We're shooting that stuff. And we did one two nights ago. And some days we, we throw out two people. Some days two people leave us. Some days one person leaves us. Some days no people leave us. And so, because I've got it wrong. Right. I've gone in and got it wrong. Oh, I've, I've said a number. Everyone's still here. <laughs> well, no, I've, I've, oh, I've, I, you they, know. They what, think four people's leaving. No, yeah. I've got it wrong before. <laughs> All right. Um, you said that you needed to tell me something. Yes. And we're getting towards the end. Firstly, are your pod- podcasts are called the Osher Ginsberg Podcast? Yeah, it's all at osherginsberg.com now. There you go. That's it. dot com. It's pretty easy. My Twitter profile and my Instagram profile normally have that, but right now they've got my Movember link. So, yeah. <laughs> um, the thing I had to tell you was yes. this. Um, and bear in mind that I walked in to your house and we spent 15 minutes you giving me career advice before we sat down because there's a deal on the table that I had to talk to you about. Yes. Um, when I came to your house in Los Angeles and I did that interview with you uh-huh. at your beautiful apartment, I left that day. And it was very, very clear to me that since that one year that I worked really, really, really hard, I was pretty much fucking coasting, really. I was really coasting. And I'd taken a lot of work stuff for granted. And then it all kind of, and as a result, it all kind of petered out to the point where, boom, I was unemployed. And I saw, this is what writing a new hour, doing a new national show and doing television every year 
gives you. It gives you the freedom to do this. And particularly the conversation we'd had before we recorded on that day, which is about a similar job, if you recall. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, and now you've branched out to do that internationally. And seeing what you've been able to achieve, and, you know, there's that, fa- that fantastic line, you've got the same amount in your you, – we all have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce, all right? We're the same age by six weeks or so. Uh-huh. And it's folly to compare yourself to anyone. It's very, very important. Absolutely. But we've had, I'm not going to say parallel, but. We've been around. The, the, the tide has been rising for both sure. of us. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. But your boat is bigger than yeah. mine. It's no. not about having a big house or a no. big boat, but I see the career but we freedom. we are recording this on my boat. No, no, no. Yes. <laughs> Pretty good too. Yeah, that's, if people could do, uh, donate to the Patreon, I'm going to do this on a boat. The this podcast is going to be in international waters, then we'll yeah. get to some really interesting. Yeah, shit. like fucking Elrond Hubbard, just <laughs> constantly in international waters. Um, but when I see the freedom that you have in your career because of the hard work that you've done, that made me go, ah, oh, I've got this bachelor thing now. Lightning never strikes twice in the same spot, but somehow it did with me. I'm going to catch this wave as hard as I can because I see the freedom in your career that you have now and the creative choices that you're able to make. And I was really inspired by that day. That day I was like, everything fucking changed for me after that. Really, really did, Will. As a result, where now I've got my girlfriend going, you really going to do that again? You're going to say yes to too many? How about you just say no to some shit? Um, but yeah, it was that day. And it was you. So you may make jokes about you, some bloke who sits around in track pants. <laughs> I am sitting in my track suit. You are. They're pretty fancy track pants. <laughs> yeah, they're expensive track pants. I pay for them. Yeah. I need to point that out. I but you got to, I, I, I want you to know that you, what you've managed to achieve, and when I look at the breadth of your career, and, and, and I'm only just coming towards authenticity, but you've managed to be there the whole time. Oh, well, that's, that's very nice of you to say. I appreciate that very much. Um, uh, it's been very nice to have you here. Uh you're an absolute uh, fantastic bloke. Thanks, I really Will. like. Uh, it's Thanks been so much, really. Man. I've been looking forward to this. I'm glad that we could do Me it. Me too. I'm honoured. I Thanks was so honoured when you. Thanks for coming to the show the other night. I did not know you were coming in. <laughs> I later after the show had finished because I hadn't been on my phone backstage because I turned it off because I have to make sure I remember to turn off airplane mode so I can record it anyway. Whatever. You don't need to know that. Yeah. But. You had sent me a tweet before the show to tell me you were there, but I had not seen that okay. tweet when I went on stage. It's all right. So there was literally a point, like, in the show, because I'm, like, a lot of the show is kind of, like, I've got a bunch of ideas, but I really just try to capture a moment and, like, riff on something. <laughs> and, like, I'm halfway through going, we should choose our Prime Minister like they do on, like, The Bachelor. And I'm going, where did that idea? And I look down and I just see you sitting in the front row. I'm like, isn't that amazing how our brain works? <laughs> that, that was, like, my Kaiser Soze moment. Yeah. Like, you know, I had just obviously was putting together this story yeah. from shit that I observed that I had not quite realised that I had observed. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway. It was great, but I, I sent you a tweet going, oh, it took us for tonight, I'm the one with the guffaw. I right. have a, when I fucking laugh, I have a You've got a good laugh, though. I have a laugh. I always like to think with, like, I always think with a big laugh, and I do love a big laugh, because I'm a big laugher as well. I mean, you know, and, but it, laughing is fun. It feels it's fun delightful. to laugh. You know? My, this kid makes me fucking laugh so hard. Right. She is so funny. Funny, 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 ha ha, funny. I just, it's gorgeous. And I mean, Audrey's I, well, hilarious yeah, but, too. I mean, well, this is the thing. Like, and I say this all the time, you know, when people always ask me who's the funniest person, I'm like, well, to me, Amy's the funniest person. That's why, you know, like good or bad, like I, 
I like I'm amused. Like, you know, like I laugh. I laugh all the time, you know. And it's a glorious feeling. And yeah. it's a thing yeah. It's wonderful, man. I'm, all right, I'm all right we're done. All right. We're done. We didn't quite make two hours. We almost got there. If we had uh, recorded that bit that I didn't record, we would have made it all the way to the two hours. But uh, I think that, you know, we've fully taken your appointment time in your app. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Thanks, you, mate. Without you. Well, heaven knows I can be without you.